You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. And in the end, we can get past it all. With hope. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. To the season finale of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, PoppyChulo Radio Pop Culture On Demand. Today is Monday, May 28, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co hosts to our season finale broadcast, Katie. Hi guys, hope you're all doing well tonight. I can't believe we're finally at the end of the season. It's crazy. We're at the end of the series. Well, I know, but I'm trying to ignore that. Yes, Jenna Pace. <laughs> it's the final countdown. Hi. That was fantastic. Heather Bishop. What's up, guys? Sorry, I'm not nearly as exciting as the other two on that. Just, hey. <laughs> but in my head, you're, we love you. you're dancing we love like you. the dancing Hermione. How did you know? I knew it. <laughs> like you're here. <laughs> and Vinny Hatcher. Kind of like Vanessa Williams, you saved the best for last. Hi, guys. I like it. Although you didn't <laughs> sing it. Oh, God, you want me to sing? No. Yes. I haven't heard that song in, like, ten years. <laughs> well, there you go. Sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes Jenna Pace quotes the final countdown. I like it. It's the remix. Yeah. Okay, everybody. <laughs> so uh, this is our very final episodic panel discussion. And since this is our final episode discussion, I do have a couple of announcements to make before we do our usual uh, spiel one last time. So, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but we will be recording our very final episode of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror very soon, within the next two weeks, uh, barring any technical issues and that kind of stuff. So now it is time to discuss the schedule for our final 
podcasts. So this is our very final episode podcast. Obviously, there are no more episodes to discuss, so this is the very last one. But we do have a couple of other podcasts that we will be releasing in uh, the coming weeks. And uh, the very first one that will be released is in about a week, and that will be our very final spoiler podcast. Katie and I will be doing our very final spoiler show. We will be discussing all of the postmortems that have come out and uh, maybe some of the cast farewells and that kind of stuff uh, in our very final spoiler podcast. And then in two weeks, we will be releasing... uh, our Season 7 Postmortem. If you've listened to previous seasons, you know that in the past we've done postmortems when uh, the season was sort of split up into two arcs, and then we started to do them at the end of the season once the the two arcs uh, were kind of removed. And so uh, this time around we will be doing an entire postmortem about uh, Season 7 as a whole. And uh, we'll be discussing the good, the bad, the ugly of all of season seven and then in about two-ish weeks we will be releasing our very final panel discussion podcast which will be titled farewell to once upon a time and in that very special podcast we will be discussing the series as a whole so everything dealing with once upon a time If you tuned in last season to our Farewell to Storybrooke podcast, it will be very similar. We'll be creating special lists about some of our favorites and not-so-favorite things about uh, Once Upon a Time. And that will be it for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, that will be the very final podcast. Now, if someone, if one of us, attends a once-related con in the future and audio is recorded and that kind of thing, we might possibly, potentially, maybe release the audio from that in sort of a very special edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror and that kind of thing. But other than that, that's going to be it for us. Uh, I do have a small idea in my head of doing another Once-related podcast around the 10-year anniversary of the premiere of Once, but that's still a couple of years away. So if that does happen, then that will be announced on uh, our podcast-like page, which will still exist, facebook.com slash Mirror, or the stations-like page, facebook.com slash Radio. Or it would be announced on our own website, poppychularadio.com, or even Katie's once-inspired Tumblr, storybookmirror.tumblr.com. And don't get your hopes up, but if there is a once-revival or a reboot of some sort, I'm sure that's something that we will be podcasting about as well in the future. So, uh, yeah. And a shameless plug, I mean, we do have other podcasts for several other series that that we do. Our primary focus is genre television. We cover all of the Marvel live-action TV series, all the DC Comics live-action TV series, a lot of the horror, fantasy, sci-fi series that are out there as well. So you can visit poppychularadio.com to get a full list of the television series or film genres that we podcast about. And, while I'm shameless plugging, if you want to come and podcast with us, if you want to 
join one of our podcasts. There, there's no podcast experience required. You can email talent at poppychuloradio.com to join our Poppy Chulo Radio network of podcasts. We are always looking for new co-hosts. And it's fun. At least I think it is. So, good grief. After all of that, we cannot delay the inevitable. Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 22, which was titled Leaving Storybrooke and aired May 18th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Wish Rumple's evil plan is revealed, and Regina realizes the only hope to stop him is by turning Wish Henry from his path for vengeance. Meanwhile... Tilly and Margot try to get help in Storybrooke. With his hope of ever being reunited with Belle fading, Weaver struggles to find a way to defeat his evil alter ego. And when Rogers' life is threatened, he is faced with the ultimate sacrifice. So let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 22, the series finale of Once Upon a Time. It uh, was viewed by 2.3 million total viewers and a 0.5 in the demo rating. It marked its largest audience in two months while flat in the demo. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode since this is the very final time that I'm doing this, and I rarely go first. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end. Uh, It was just so beautifully done how everything was wrapped up. I was just enthralled by everything, and uh, I mean, it was practically perfect in every way. It was very interesting because I chatted with one of our former Storybook Weekly Mirror co-hosts who decided not to watch this season. I guess all the changes was a bit too much for her. And she did watch the very final two episodes. And um, she preferred the season six finale as a series finale. And... I told her, I was like, you know, I kind of get where you're coming from. You know, if you've seen every single episode up until the season six finale and then you didn't watch any of season seven, then you would probably prefer the season six finale just because it's all the characters that you know sort of in their present form. But if you continued on to watch season seven, I think this was the the better finale, the stronger finale, because it really felt finite it felt like an ending although you could say you know you can think about what would happen in the future beyond this for the most part it kind of ended everyone's story in in a sense and and it wrapped things up and everyone got either their redemption or their closure and whatnot and it just for me at least it made the most sense as a series finale last year if you want to take that as a series finale personally speaking although that final shot of everyone together eating was beautifully done i don't know if i necessarily like that as like the final shot for the series so i'm glad that we got this additional season and we got a a, um, much more final season finale or series finale episode and um i will say 
that looking back, uh, I feel like Adam and Eddie did a real disservice to like come up with that requel word, you know, the reboot sequel. Because I feel like that turned off a lot of people that were really into Once Upon a Time. And I think that helped people decide not to watch Season 7. If they hadn't said any of that, if they would have just said, you know, we're continuing the story, you know, with a time jump or something like that, I think that would have been easier for people to swallow. And, um, yeah, so I think that was a misstep in their part. So, um, yeah, I loved the finale. So, Katie, what about you? What did you think your initial reaction to leaving Storybrooke? Well, I mean, I feel like I could echo exactly what you said perfectly. Um, but I, just to put my own two cents into it, after I finished the episode, I just felt very happy and satisfied. I feel like they ended it very well. The episode was, the episode was, like you said, practically perfect in every way. I. I loved how they brought in characters that we have seen throughout the season. I love how they brought Emma back. Um, and she wasn't in it for maybe more than a couple minutes, but it was perfect for me as an Emma fan. And um, I, I like the way that they wrapped up the new characters that we had in this season. Um, I loved that this episode really kind of focused a lot on Regina and, um, her journey and how far she's come. And I love how they brought Snow and Charming into that mix because, you know, I think back and on the, the show as a whole, Emma and Regina had most of the story. Emma, Regina and the Charmings probably had the majority of the story and the most important parts of the story. And so I like how we got to really focus on Regina's growth and I I won't say now, but I love how they ended her character on the show. Um, I would say that the last couple shots of the show are some of, are probably my favorites in the entire series run. Um, I actually, you know, felt teary and was crying a little bit after Regina's speech and them flashing back to moments from the show that were very prominent and we remember very well. And I didn't think they were going to do one last montage that we'll talk about later, but um, I didn't think that they were going to do that. And that's when I, like, really started to get emotional because it, it reminded us a lot of the series as a whole and where we've come from from the beginning. And um, it was just, it was very, very nice, and I liked it a lot. Um, did I feel like... It was a little rushed. Yeah, but I'm not going to complain, honestly, because there were so many characters that they had to wrap up, and I feel like they did it adequately enough with the time that they had. I think it would have been fun to have a longer episode to really um, wrap them up, but, you know, that's just not possible, unfortunately, and I'm not going to complain about it because I thought they handled it very, very well, and I really liked it. A lot. So it's going to be fun to kind of get into the details as we continue to talk. But they did a really, really good job, I, I thought. Jenna Pace, what about you? I really, really did like this episode. And it kind of took me, I'll admit, it kind of took me a couple of 
thing, a couple of uh, watches to get there. When I first watched it, I really did like it. There were a couple of story problems that I did have, and those still do persist. However, I do. However, I'm just kind of enjoying. I'm. You know what? The more I watch it, the more I realize they matter. But in terms of this being a series finale, this wrapping things up, as Adam and Eddie put it, singing the songs one more time, it did a really beautiful job of showing things off, giving every character their final moments in the sun, their final redemptions, repentances, everything. And it made for just something really nice. And um, we'll definitely be getting to uh, what getting to those final moments of the show, but I am with Katie. I think that not only were those moments very emotional, but I think they were very balanced in terms of celebrating the seven years that were once upon a time. And yeah, um, and there was a final moment that I'm going to touch upon later that actually had me laughing during those final moments briefly. But just yeah, just in terms of finishing up everybody's journeys and adventures, I think that there were a lot more hits than there were misses, and the misses were minuscule. So yeah, I genuinely do love it. It gives me something to return back to. It gives me that. It gives me some last moments to smile at. I do prefer the season seven finale to season six, and it's up there in the greats. It's a it's a genuinely really good episode. Awesome. Adam and Eddie's turn of phrase is very interesting because once they started saying that, and that was like the thing that they said in every single interview, in the beginning, in the comment section, people were so confused. They were like, sing the fi- the songs one last time. Is it going to be a musical? Like, it was, I'm like, I feel like sometimes they would specifically say things just to get the fandom going crazy, like confused. It's, it made me laugh. Heather Bishop, what about you? So I really like this episode. Um, it took me a couple of watch-throughs to kind of make myself stop thinking so much about it. And once I stopped thinking so much about it and just sat down and realized, you know, this is the last time I'm going to get to sit down and watch an episode of this uh, show live, I really started enjoying it and taking in the moments and the um, really beautiful little story arcs that finally played out uh, uh, throughout the series, uh, throughout the episode, um, I definitely found that after I had gone back and watched the two um, Homecoming and Leaving Storybrooke together, I I liked it a lot more. Just because it made it a bit more of a cohesive storyline, and it um, it made everything a little bit more meaningful. I'm obviously a little heartbroken over certain characters. Uh, endings in this episode, even though they are, they're very bittersweet. Um, but it's just such an, you know, such an interesting feeling to realize that something that we've all been a part of for, you know, seven years or um, however long you've been with the show, that it's over, you know, and it's 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 a very nice kind of thing because you know we not a, not every show gets such a cut and dry ending and such beautiful conclusions to these storylines but it's uh it's also very very sad so uh i have a lot of feelings about it and i can't get it wait to get into it i do have a few nitpicks about certain plot points that um i feel like didn't always make a lot of sense but overall i really enjoyed this episode 
Vinny. Oh. You know, I there have been a handful of shows over the years that I've gotten hooked on and watched and had the ability to watch from beginning to end. And it's been very few that I've watched the very first episode the first time it airs and never missed an episode for the entire run of that series. And once is the longest running of them all. And this show started for me seven, eight years ago when I was living in a different state. I just started a new job, didn't have a lot of friends in the area. So I discovered the show. I was working late night shift at a video game studio, and we were allowed to watch TV to pass the time, and discovered this show and went home and set my on-demand to record the first episode. And literally, I have been enraptured ever since. I've had countless friends that I've introduced to the show that started watching it, found their favorite characters or their story arc, but they stopped watching. I am literally like the only one in my group of friends that I, I ever introduced to the show or found watched the show as well that watched it all the way to the end. Uh, so it's been very much like a friend in and of itself for me. It's been that show that every Sunday, and in this case every Friday, I knew was you know going to be there. I was going to be taken away to a different place, you know, even if it was a place here in the world. And this final episode, I bawled. I'm not going to lie. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I watched it online, and I was just like constantly bouncing between happy, sad, pissed off that it's ending, wistful, and there's a certain point that got me really, really bad that I'll touch on later. It's pretty obvious what it was, but it was sneaky on their part. Um, but going into the episode, I really felt that this season I've had a love-hate relationship with it, kind of split down the middle. There's been episodes that I loved. There's been episodes that I tore to pieces. There you know, were plot holes and things that didn't work out. But this final episode, Without getting into too much because we're about to dissect it, the one thing that I will say is this episode was the epitome of why I love this show. All of my friends that stopped watching it, they would bitch and complain and they would fixate too much on things like the plot holes, like Lily's dad or what happened to this character, where's Maleficent, where's – you know, they, they would analyze it so much and they stopped giving the show a chance. When I looked at the show, I said, you know what? I love this show. It is corny. It is ridiculous at times. It has some things that we'll never find out, and it's got some things that are you know, implausible. But at the end of the day, it always entertained me. It always gave me that immersive factor. I felt like I was one of the people in this group, this family. And this final episode, seeing the culmination of the journey of all of these characters, even some of them that only showed up for a couple of minutes, it opened my heart back up again to that very first time when I was absolutely enchanted and blown away by seeing Snow White pick up a sword. And I knew I was going to love this show. Seeing it come to the final conclusion, I do agree that it was a better finale as a series than last series with or last season with the final supper because we got closure and we got to see you know all of our characters coming together not just for a, an end of a dinner that anything could happen but we got the beginning of potentially something new to leave our imaginations to ferment what future adventures could happen, not only for Hope, you know, the new child, but Regina in her new incarnation and all of the other characters. Fan fiction is going to explode, and I think they did an absolutely amazing job. Aww. Reach. I love that, Vinny. <laughs> Thank you. 
And you are a part of our Storybook Weekly Mirror family. Oh, damn right I am. Yes. All right, everybody. Before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, the very last episode of Once Upon a Time, the series finale of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence and we're looking for your help if you're a fan of poppy chulo radio and its signature series please visit gofundme.com slash poppy radio and help us with our campaign every dollar amount donated will be improving the poppy chulo radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly we thank you in advance for your support this has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So, let's dive in, and as we always do, a quick shout-out to the opening title card, which featured the Leaving Storybrook City Limits sign in the forefront. And uh, it's just the forest. There is... No more Seattle uh, scenery in the background. So uh, let's get into it. We start off in Storybrooke. It's a regular day with the dwarves uh, getting their sandwiches from grannies, the best sammies in all the realms, when all of a sudden the rolling bayou rolls right in front of uh, Grumpy and... uh, Robin and Alice jump out, and they try to explain what has happened. You know, we're here, Henry Mills, uh, they've been captured, this and the other, you need to help us. And they're like, what? You know, we just saw Henry Mills. Uh, We have Archie there with Pongo saying, you know, he was fine, he was at his graduation and whatnot. But they explain, no, this curse took us back in time, this and the other, and we've been in Seattle, and and all this kind of stuff. But uh, Grumpy 
and the rest of the Storybrooke denizens know that if there are new people in the town, it usually means that they come with a villainous plot, and so they fight back, crossbows, pickaxe, and, and everything. And so Alice and Robin hide, and as the Storybrookians are searching for them, they end up seeing Regina's car. And so they go and approach it, but Zelina is there with a five-year-old Robin in the car and explains that uh, Emma and Regina have taken Henry on sort of like a final uh, post-graduation trip. And so uh, initially, Zelina is confused about what's going on, but Robin uh, gives her enough details to make her realize that this is her grown-up daughter that has time-traveled and they need her help, in particular, that magic bean that she has hidden in the cupboard. And, and so uh, they are off on an adventure together. Katie, what did you think of the opening, seeing Alice and Robin in Storybrooke, seeing some of our favorite Storybrooke residents once again, and of course that completely fab moment with Zelina thinking that people want a selfie with her because she's the Wicked Witch of the West? <laughs> well, first of all, let, let me just say that when the show opened up on the streets of Storybrooke and you hear the dwarves whistling you know, hi-ho, the song that they sing. Um, we hear them whistling in the background, and then it opens up to them, and then Granny. It was it was so nostalgic, because that's how a lot of the scenes opened up, in especially the first season, but throughout this, the seasons. Um, I, love, I love that we got to see that one last time. I love that we got to open up the show one last time in Storybrooke. Um, because, you know, this season is taking place in a different city. So it was fun to go back to our favorite place one last time. Um, and to have it be so nostalgic. I mean, the show is based off of fairy tales. And sometimes we can we can sort of forget about that because we get so wrapped up in it. But, you know, it's based on a lot of Disney characters as well. The majority of it, I would say, would be Disney um, fairy tales. Um, but, you know, it kind of it opens us up to what the original premise of the show was, um, and we get to hear just the dwarves whistling hi-ho. It's very Disney-esque to me, and I really like that a lot. Um, but, you know, I like how the Roland, we got to see the Roland Bayou truck open up in Storybrooke, and we have Alice and Robin. So it's kind of, you know, tying the two worlds that we've had throughout the past season. We have Alice and Robin, the new characters, and then we have our old characters that we've seen throughout the whole show um, kind of combine and be together and bring these two, these not really different shows, but it's the same show, but these two different worlds together. Mm -hmm. Worlds um, collide. Exactly, exactly. So that was, that was really fun. I liked that, and I liked their little... Um, opening scene where there's like quickly snap fire like giving out what's happened and granny's sitting there with her crossbow and the dwarves are sitting there with their pickaxes and it seems like you know at first like he's gonna you know they're gonna help them but then um grumpy starts shouting intruders and they have to run away from them and it was it was really fun it was a fun scene um and very reminiscent of 
why this show is so fun. Like Vinny was saying, it's corny in the best way possible. And this is a scene that really um, kind of kind of brought that to life for sure. Um, and then the last thing, obviously, is the <laughs> great scene with Zelina. I loved that scene. It's, it's so her just to have her pop up and be like, oh, I know I'm fabulous and y'all want selfies. Um, it, it's just, it's so her. That's why I love her character. That's just her. And it was fun. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have Robin explaining everything. But uh, I like that. And it, that's another example of these two worlds colliding. Because, you know, you forget that they were in the future. And then this is kind of in the past, so to speak. And so you have two Robins like right in front of each other. You've got the older Robin, and then you've got the child Robin. So it was just, it was something fun to see and have visualize, visualized on the screen. So I really liked the openings to this episode. I thought it was, I thought it was really fun. And uh, I'm very surprised that Jenna Pace and Vinny didn't say this. It was Heather Bishop in our little chat that said it's actually a selfie. I'm very disappointed. See, I was going to, but my computer is on the coffee table that we just got far away from me. I'm laying on the couch and it was just too much to type that. Too much this one. I'm disappointed in both of you, especially Jenna Pace. I know, but I can make it I can make up for it. I no. can make up for it. Not with a pun, but with an observation. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but during the episode when um, little when little Robin and Big Robin are on screen together. Little Robin sticks her tongue out at Big Robin. Only oh, once upon a time so can cute. something like that happen, where a younger yeah. version of you sticks her tongue out at an older version. It's so yes, adorable. that's so cute. And they also, didn't blink out of existence for being in the same time together. <laughs> right. They did not. <laughs> they did not. Also, a cute little thing that I forgot was mentioned. Um, wasn't Selena saying that she was bringing? She was bringing Robin to Ashley's daycare. Yes. Yeah, that was so fun. I love how they mentioned that. Mm-hmm. It is fun. Little, even to characters that we haven't seen in a long time, we still get little mentions to them. Like, they're still up and running. She's still up and running in daycare. It's and fun. In, I like and it. In four yeah, that was five, awesome. Oh, sorry. And in four and five years, Regina has not d- gotten any better at driving. No. Or Zelina, you should say. Zelina. <laughs> yes. Yes, she she's is got not a as great. <laughs> amazing okay so continuing on with our story we are now in the wish realm and we are inside of the snow globe prison only on the show is there a snow globe prison and uh, we see all of our people together that have been trapped we see uh, rumple and nook and henry and ella and lucy and uh, Rumple explains that uh, Wish Rumple, Wumple, has done something to uh, strip him of his powers and immortality. Uh, apparently, he had uh, the author, you know, write in a book that uh, our Rumple is no longer immortal and no longer has his powers, and so. Rumple is feeling the cold of uh, the snow globe. He uh, also cannot get them out of the snow globe, so they are trapped. And uh, as they're trying to break 
the glass. Rumple and uh, Wishhook, they end up having a bit of a heart-to-heart. And, you know, Rumple is like, you know, it's that determination. That's, you know, pretty much the reason why I had you as my partner. And it's because of that and your bravery and your good heart. And, and, um, and Wishhook tells Rumple, you know, with all the power that you had, or asks him, I should say, with all the power that you had, you know, why didn't you destroy me? And uh, Rumple basically says it's because you're the closest thing I've ever had to a friend. And then all of a sudden, Maui's fish hook appears, and uh, Nook sort of realizes what has happened, and so they start using the fish hook. And they start breaking the glass, and then once the glass is broken, uh, the uh, snow globe shatters, and everyone is released from the snow globe prison. So we have our people reunited, the ones that were trapped in the snow globe, uh, with Robin, Alice, and Zelina. And they also show them that uh, there is this uh, drawing of the Evil Queen saying that uh, she will be executed the following day. We'll get into that in a moment. Continuing on a little bit with uh, Rumple Later on, as Rumple is searching for a means to stop his wish-alter ego, he ends up finding a dream catcher and views some of his memories of Belle and uh, basically proclaims in a very emotional way that he will probably never, ever, ever get back together with her. That he will never be reunited with her, is what I'm trying to say. It just turned into a Taylor Swift moment. Sorry. Okay, so... Heather, give it to me. What did you think of the moments inside the snow globe? What did you think of the revelation that our Rumple no longer has his powers and his immortality? What did you think of that moment between Rumple and Nook? And then Rumple together with the Dream Catcher. And I just want to make a little note. This is probably the only moment in the episode that I was like, huh? And, and it's because I really wish that Rumple was having that conversation with our Hook versus Nook. Because it really didn't make any sense. That Agreed. Yeah. Um, like, I'm so glad you brought that okay, up. Okay, because I want you, you to go into that, because I just didn't understand why Nook asked him that question, and, and why Rumple's response was that. Like, he should have been like, well, first of all, I didn't have beef with you. Like, I should have killed the other one. Like, it just, it was very weird. It was very weird. So, Heather, break it down, please. I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, I do have, like, a slightly different opinion from you on that point, I think, probably. But before jumping into that, I do want to address how... uh, Address Rumpel no longer having his powers. Um, Just because I feel like that it was a very um, easy way to solve their problem. And I was kind of expecting so much more from that because we've had this build-up all season long of trying to get rid of immortality, trying to get rid of that connection to the dagger and then like that with a hand wave it's all gone and over so that part did kind of bother me um but on to um uh nook and rumple um so him claiming rumple still claiming that 
Nook was the closest thing he's ever had to a friend. That, to me, number one, broke my heart a little bit into pieces because, uh, you know, that's that's my character, and it, it hit all the feels. But um, I think it really does, their relationship works better with Nook than it ever could with Hook. Um, reason being, Nook and Rumpelstiltskin have no real past until Rumpelstiltskin gets to the Magic Forest, the new Enchanted Forest. Every interaction that they've had together has been a positive interaction to, to, most, to, to some degree. Um, whereas our hook, you've got not only their shared past with Mila and all of that, but you also have um, Hook trying to kill Belle in Season 2, Hook trying to kill Rumple in Season 2, Rumple trying to kill Hook in Season 4. You've got all of this baggage that kind of comes together to where those two could easily tolerate one another, but you could never really see them being friends. Whereas with Nook, it's a character that... Even though they do technically have a shared past, that shared past is with Wish Rumple, not our Rumple, which the lines get confusing right there. But after that, Nook is a very different character from Hook. Nook has really, you know, done away with his journey for revenge. He's not out for that anymore. He's there to protect Alice and to make sure that she's okay, but his sole purpose is no longer that revenge, that hatred, holding on to all of his anger. He's evolved a lot more, and I think on the level of him trying to get back to his daughter, he and Rumpelstiltskin have a lot more in common than he and Hook ever had. Um, all of that about, uh, about Nook and Rumpelstiltskin, um, I do have another point. Did y'all want to say something on that? No? I'm good. Okay. All right. Oh. oh, go ahead. Um. Yeah. I'm. I. I get that. I also just. But I. However, I do kind of feel like the line was addressed towards. Well, when Hook says that he says, "With all the power you once held, how come you never destru- try to destroy me?" I feel like he's also kind of including his other iteration in there. And the reason that line kind of bothers me in some way is because it's like. With the other iteration of Hook, there were a lot of reasons why he never tried to go after it. Usually it was because he knew if he ever killed, if he killed Hook, Belle would despise him, or there was some, or he couldn't kill his heart. I mean, he tried to kill Hook a, a bunch of times, even up to season six, but there was just never an ability to do that where he, where he wouldn't lose something major or didn't have the ability at all to kill him. So, yeah, I guess... That line, for me, I, like, I really loved the scene, the build-up to that scene. I like the Wishhook giving him that pep talk, them working together, them being like, you, pers- you were super resilient, that's why I kept you as a partner. It kind of, like, addressed that thing from A Pirate's Life, where it's, why was Rumpel keeping, why did uh, Weaver keep Rogers on? And, yeah, I guess I'm just not, I guess, because the way that line is said, it feels like... It feels like any iteration of Hook, and it's been also explained to me by someone who did like that line a lot, where it's like, be, not necessarily that they were friends, but he was the person who knew him the best, because he spent, like, at least a hundred years trying to find ways to destroy him, learning everything he could about the Dark One and Rumpelstiltskin, and he knew him before he was the Dark One. So, I don't know, I've got a mixed feeling about that line, but... There you go. I can, I can, I can understand that. 
that it worked. It was okay for me, at least. I, I found a way to to deal with it. Um, but I also wanted to talk about the the Dreamcatcher right fast. Um, and surprisingly, I, I don't want to talk about um, Rumpel and Bell in that particular situation. Um, the Dreamcatchers are something that the show has used repeatedly throughout the the series. But the first one that we saw was back in Tallahassee with Neil and Emma. And I think it's really, um, it was a really important moment in this episode that they didn't, that they didn't address, if that makes sense. I feel like they should have addressed with that dream catcher, Neil, um, because Rumpelstiltskin in, back in season three, I think it was an episode, Nasty Habits, talks about how Neil is his happy ending, about how, you know, everything else is, there are other things important in his life, but Neil is the most important thing. And while I've been, you know, totally enamored by the whole plot line of him trying to get back to Belle and trying to, uh, you know, get to the, the love of his life, I feel like that was a very important moment that the show missed because Neil is somebody that is one of the reasons that the show was started because of the entire uh, storyline between he and Rumpelstiltskin. And I feel like they kind of dropped a ball on that a little bit. While it was a beautiful moment, him saying goodbye to Belle, it definitely tugged at every single one of my heartstrings. I feel like they missed the, the the mark a little bit there. Wait, Neil, you do know that he's got a grown-ass child that's still alive. You mean Henry? Gideon. I oh, mean, yeah, Gideon, Gideon is... And Gideon, but they have a relationship, which and is Gideon, awesome, and they haven't addressed that in the show in season seven, except for, like, a couple toms. And Gideon's an adult, He's and he's going off and doing cool scholar things. He's fine. Yeah. It is really a shame that Neil was dead in the Wish Realm, so there was no chance that MRJ could have come back for the series finale to show Neil off in any way. Like, it would have been cool, like, in a scene that will come up later if he had appeared and it could have been, like, a group hug thing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Group hug. I almost forgot about that tragedy. I'm glad you pointed it out, Heather. I'm here for it. <laughs> Alright, so moving on with the story. So, let's pick up, uh, let's rewind a little bit and uh, pick up with Regina. So, uh, we see Regina at the Charming's Castle, and she is taken to the location where uh, Snow and Charming were to be married, where she declared the um, dark curse, if it's the last thing I do. And she's taken there by Sir Henry. And uh, or what do they call him? Do they call him King Henry at some point, I believe? We can call him King Henry. We can call him. Yeah, because I don't think there's anyone else there. (laughs) TBH. So, uh, yeah, King Henry. And... uh, you know, Regina is like, please, you know, I have changed. I'm not the same person. And uh, he's like, yeah, well, didn't you kill uh, my uh, grandparents and whatnot? And uh, I wish that Regina would have explained that I thought all of this was fake. You know, this was a wish realm. I didn't know y'all were real people. And, uh, but but she didn't, uh, which I understand, time and that kind of stuff. And um, she really is pleading to this version of Henry that, you know, please, I'm a very different person. I'm not the same. You know, uh, 
there are people out there that believe in you, that can help you, and all this kind of stuff. You know, you're you're supposed to be good, and all that kind of thing. And uh, he is not receptive to, uh, let's just say, any of that, because he ends up slicing her hand, and he's like, you know, you need to realize that in this realm, it's with blood and tears and sweat or whatever the hell he said that stories are made and uh, yeah and so uh, he's like we will fight each other in a duel to the death and killing you will be my happy ending so she gets locked back up in a cell and in a dream we see Regina at that pub where she was going to meet the man with uh, the dragon tattoo, no, the lion tattoo, and she communes with Robin's spirit, and Robin basically tells her, you know, you need to fight. You got, you got to remember when we met. I thought you were a villain. You need to explain. You need to show him that uh, you are no longer that person, and. Um, he basically tells her that she can find happiness, you know, even though she's like, I might be joining you very soon. And uh, he basically tells her that you just need to show this version of Henry that you're a changed person and that uh, there is a better life out there. And so uh, when she wakes up in her cell, she discovers that she has a red feather a robin feather in one of uh, her hands. So, uh, Vinny, talk to me about Regina in uh, the early part of this episode. Regina with Henry, and then uh, Regina with Robin. It, this was the moment where you can really see the influence and the relationship with Emma over the past six seasons coming through in Regina's character. One thing that I really enjoyed about this is she's without her counterpart, and she has been all of this season. So when we ran Hyperion Heights, she had, you know, Zelina there with her at some point. She had Lucy, and eventually she had everybody else. But here she's on her own, and Regina has made so much progress over the series, but there was that glaring mistake that she made last season that... You know, we never really got to deal with, and it was never dealt with. You know, she destroyed the wish charming and his wife and moved on with her life. And this next curse happened and all of that. And we really didn't touch on how this influenced her at all, if at all. And we realized that it didn't because she thought they were wish people and that they were fake. But as she came back to the realm, she knew that she was going to have to face the music. And what I really enjoyed about this is that she never once faltered. She never once thought to raise her hand against Henry, the, the old Regina, which sometimes likes to poke her perfectly coiffed head out once in a while, didn't. You know, there was never that signature moment where she extended her hand out and a fireball popped up. She was contrite. And she, even though this wasn't her Henry, her heart was breaking for him because it was something that she did, and here she is surrounded by these ghost-like reminders. You know, it's a different realm, but it's the same, and she, everywhere she sees, it's episode season one and episode one all over again. You know, her stalking into the room, I loved how 
King Henry, you know, brought her into the room that was the very moment when everything started with her threatening to cast the curse. And she's, you know, being held against her will, and it's complete polar opposite of the first time we ever saw her. And the defeat that she had on her face, in her every mannerism, the almost Rumpel-esque, like, resignation that she was going to have to sacrifice herself if that's what it took for him to spill her blood to maybe trigger any kind of love in him. She was ready for it. And the scene with Robin, I absolutely loved how they just picked right back up, you know, and their relationship was probably one of my top five in the entire season and our series and him showing up there out of the blue, the Robin feather being there afterwards. It was just the jolt that she needed because the thing with Regina is she always has overthunk and over overthought, sorry, not thunk and overfelt everything. And in this case, right. She (laughs) was overthinking that she just had to give in. And if that's what it took, let him try to kill her. But Robin kind of showed up and slapped her silly a little bit with some love and good old hood, you know, came in and re-inspired her and put her on the right path. And I loved that. The fact that she was able to receive that visit from her true love and to also take the right step forward into remembering exactly how redemption happens. It's not going to be by giving in to whatever she thinks he wants and hoping at the last minute he'll realize that she's got to keep fighting. And that's always been the story of Once Upon a Time. The premise is that we will always find each other. We will always fight for what we believe in. And her belief was reignited. And she was given the gumption and the motivation to give it another shot and try once again to get through to him. And I absolutely loved it. It just spoke to all of the previous six seasons of Emma and everyone around her working to unravel the woven knots of the Wicked Queen and get her her own path. So I I thought she was amazing. I thought all of the segments with her and Henry wish Henry were amazing. And it really, really did well speaking to everything she's come through so far in the series. I like it. I am so glad that my bold prediction about Robin did not come true. I'm glad this was a dream. <laughs> like, seriously. Right. I mean, you know, if you follow this podcast, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the biggest outlaw queen fan. I was very happy for Regina having her love, and, and I love my favorite character being in love. But the, the, that relationship never worked for me, especially towards the end. He just seemed to just be there, and and he wasn't really actively a part of a storyline, and, and so it just it never made sense to me. But I really liked that scene. I thought it was beautifully done, and I liked Robin's sort of uh, encouraging words to Regina. I thought they handled that really, really well. Jenna Pace... Since you love to talk about a curse, I'm going to give this section to you. So we've got Wish Rumple, we've got Wish Henry, and they're talking about Regina's fate and whatnot. And uh, Wish Rumple basically has a plan. What he wants to do is he basically wants to turn the author, this Wish Henry author, He wants to turn his heart black. And uh, by doing that, he's going to enact this really terrible curse for all of the heroes throughout all of the realms. What he's going to do is he's going to trap every hero in a different Once Upon a Time book. 
isolating them from all of their loved ones and making them basically drown in solitude. Different books, different realms, everyone will be lost, no one will be together. And uh, he tries this out on the Wish Realm Blue Fairy. So he has Henry, you know, think of that moment in which he sliced through Regina's hand. You know, what did it feel like to stick your blade in her and all this kind of stuff? And <laughs> although that sounded, you, if you took that into well, Jenna Pace just proved she's a big ass perv. I, <laughs> I hate you. You're welcome. And so, she's the only one that laughed. Okay. And, and so, we see Henry, his blood is starting to boil, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, vis-a-vis Henry's uh, emotions, we see the Wish Realm Blue Fairy uh, get sucked into, not necessarily the portal that we've seen in the past, because the portal that we've seen in the past, I mean, it's the same style, but the portal we've seen in the past is kind of fiery. This one is, like, all black and gray and that kind of uh, fire, and uh, the Wish Realm Blue Fairy gets sucked in there. It transports her into, I guess, her version of hell, and uh, the book closes behind her. So, Jenna... Talk to me about this. What did you think of uh, this Wish Realm Dark Ones plan? The way he's utilizing Henry, Wish Henry, and uh, the very teeny tiny, teeny teeny tiny little scene that we saw with the Wish Realm Blue Fairy. Did you feel bad for her? Um. Yeah, I did. Okay, so first, I kind of want to take a moment to talk about the Wish Realm itself because... Um, this kind of goes back to an, er- an earlier scene where it's like Henry's talking about how in this land, stories are made with blood and tears. That's his quote. And it's very interesting because when the Wish Realm was created in season six, it was this perfect world. There were no villains. Everybody kind of had like, for the most part, they had their happiest life. And as the seasons progressed, we've learned that since uh, that that couldn't be further from the truth in a lot of aspects. Um, I mean, as not, I mean, Wish Hook story aside, which is incredibly sad, aside from that, um, it's with like the, with starting with the death of Snow and Charming, things have just gotten worse and worse. Um, Rumpel's, Wish Rumpel was out terrorizing everyone. Wish Henry's fallen into this horrible depression, just anger, and it's just, it remarks on the tragedy of the Wish Realm, and it makes it helps to make Wish Henry this this such a sympathetic character. And I don't know how much of a conscious choice this was, but I'm looking at the Blue Fairy. She's kind of dressed in peasant's clothes when the guards drag her in, and that's very different from when she's in her normal Blue Fairy thing. She's normally wearing a sparkly dress. She's normally looking very pretty, very posh. So part of me thinks maybe she's suffered too, but I'm not going to act like that's a big, that that's a big deal. It's not like how I was responding to the rumple hook scene from the previous episode, but I, I did want to like bring that up, pre, bring that up quickly. Um, I like Rumpel's plan. I just wish we could have kind of seen more of it. And by that, I mean, Rumpel's plan, um, what I will, what I, um, 
What I always wanted to see more of in the Underworld arc was the depiction of what exactly a worse place was. Like, because I know we have the River of Lost Souls, but to me it always seemed like the worst place was a very different thing than the River of Lost Souls. And we never got exactly a feeling of what that was for an individual person. And here, I feel like this is the closest we would get, and almost an accurate depiction. Like, everybody would be, as you said, in their own personal hell. And we, as we, when we later explore the books, we see everybody's alone, everybody's suffering, and Wish Blue, which I know a lot of people, you know, didn't like Blue, so it's I kind of blue. a blue. Shady Blue is a very popular thing in this fandom. I've never understood the, that. And Katie tried to explain shady. that to me one day, oh, and it just, oh, I, I never understood it. I, I can try. So so well, no, we don't really need to. It's okay. Okay, fine, I'll talk about it later. Um, I think I have, I think I have her down in one of my top seven lists. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about her then. Anyways, um, so I like that we kind of get to see somebody fall into a worse place. I just wish we could have, like, not just gotten, like, a written, like, a written visualization of it as we get later on in the scenes, but I would have liked to see what a feeling of that, like, that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of loneliness, drowning in your own sorrow and... Feeling, feeling so pathetic and alone. I feel like Wish Rumpel's plan is terrifying. It's terrible. It's one of the darkest plans we've seen on this show. And we go really far to see how, how threatening it's going to be if Rumpel succeeds. How he's going to, how he's going to make everyone in every realm suffer. How this isn't just like limited to a little bit, to a little scope of power how this is going for everyone and we go so far but we're also so close to hitting we're also a little too we're close to hitting that mark but we're not because we never kind of get to see what that is like we get to see it written out a little bit later but i just kind of wish we would have had that moment to actually see it um that said, I really do like how Wish Rumpel is manipulating Wish Henry into making these things possible. How his how he manipulates Henry's lust for blood and all the pain and sorrow and hatred that he's gone through since the since um his grandparents was were killed and since when his mother was taken away from him. Every little bit of pain is used, and how his blame of Regina is pushed to the nth degree to make to make such a horrible curse come to pass, to use him to harm every being around him, and will continuously be an, not only be the undoing for Rumpel that was prophesized, but be the undoing for everyone. And just, it, it's also great, it's also to speak of just how big Henry's pain is, that he can do such big things, and how just how miserable he's been. It speaks to that loneliness. And even though Henry in the last episode did something that was so horrible, removing the Guardian's power, working against everybody, threatening to kill Regina, in that moment, just as we're afraid of Henry, we kind of wish for the best of him, because we see he is he still is Henry. He still is somebody who cares. It's just all that care has been transformed into hate due to years of isolation, years of loss, years of just really shitty luck and manipulation. 
and um, we, yeah, we do see it, and it's just the way that Wish Henry's life has just been bastardized to the extent that he has the power now to punish everyone. It shows how, how the in the best of times we have the ability to save everybody, and in the worst of times we have the ability to be the destructing force for everyone. So yeah, cool scene. So that means you did like when Henry was thinking of uh, remembering sticking his dagger inside of Regina? Fuck you! <laughs> that was intense. That was. <laughs> Jenna Pace will be writing some fan fiction later on, y'all. I'm just saying. I hate you so much, Jeffrey Rose. Yeah. I think you're going to have to put some special warnings on that fan fiction. I know, <laughs> right? Some incest gonna... required. <laughs> the Oedipus edition. Like need adults, particularly a Floridian and an Alabanian. <laughs> Ooh. I thought it was Alabamian. Uh, whatever. Okay. Well. It really doesn't matter. We're all from Alabama. <laughs> all right. So moving right along, let's talk about. The rescue mission. So, uh, Hook and Robin are scouting the castle, and there's this really beautiful moment between both of the characters, because we see Nook, and obviously he is uh, still feeling some of the effects of the uh, curse of the poisoned heart and whatnot, and he clutches his heart, and Robin asks if he's okay, and in this moment, because she's like, it's now or never, because we don't know what's going to happen next, you know, may I have your blessing to marry Alice? And he says yes. And, you know, he wants his daughter to be happy. And, and uh, she's like, I know that we're going to figure out a way to fix you because you are going to walk her down that aisle. Dun, 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 dun. And so... They prepare to face off against the castle guards. There's this awesome war cry from Nook. And while all of that is going on, Henry sneaks into the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, the caves, the catacombs, to uh, find Regina in her prison. And uh, he almost gets around but then guards come in he gets pinned and uh, before the guards can kill henry they are taken out by two other guards and who are these guards it's our own people snow and charming here to rescue uh, our people Woohoo! Woo! Vinny, yeah, talk yeah, to yeah, me yeah. about this <clears throat> what did you think of alice and nook and uh, Snow and Charming saving the day. I absolutely adored the you're going to take her down the aisle, you know, asking for your blessing. Because Hook was obviously in pain. You know, he was suffering. He's pretty much on, like, the verge of whatever curse imploding the poison in his heart. But he's still fighting through to get his daughter, you know, to a place where she's safe. And that requires getting everyone else safe. And he just, I love the exchange between him and Robin because we haven't really gotten too much between them because, you know, the curse was in effect for most of the season and the flashbacks, we didn't see them together too, too much. 
but just the it, it was very father-in-law to daughter-in-law esque. I got from it, you know, like I knew he was going to give his blessing the moment she asked. I just love the transition of his face from "I'm oh my god, I'm I'm dying. This is painful. Help, help!" to you know having the energy to summon up a beautiful smile and you know make a joke and make her feel comfortable because it took her a lot to ask that. And it just speaks to the relationship between Alice and Robin, how we've all seen, you know, well, granted, yes, I thought it was a little bit overplayed with the exposure that it got. It is the final big relationship of the series, you know, of two people coming together. And it's for the romantics out there. It really was well done. And it just speaks to the fact that even though they were cursed and all of that, he knows how much Alice loves her and he wants his daughter to be happy. And I also got the sense of, I may not make it out of this, and I want her to be safe. And so him giving his blessing was also, in a way, ensuring that Alice was going to be safe. As for the rescue, I, you know, Charming and Snow have always been kind of like a 50-50 thing for me. Like, one episode, I like them. The next, they're too whiny. And, you know, but I didn't realize how much I missed them. Even though this wasn't our version of them, this was the past version of them. You know, I, I still got a little bit reclaimed when they pulled off their helmets and it was them showing up to rescue Henry because to me that was like, oh, oh shit. This was our version of them. It was, but the, it was a past version, wasn't it? Because they went in the past, Storybook. Well, no, it's, I meant, like, it's the like, past. Like six. The past is our present. Well, yeah. I, I guess when I say ours, I meant like the most current version. <laughs> that is the most current version. I guess that would be, yeah, because they left the series. Okay, I take that back then. Because this is uh, um, this is a like a, a couple years after the season oh, yeah, six finale. I, after season six. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense now. The time confuses me sometimes. The timeline. <laughs> what was that called? Timey whiny. Oh, the the author's comment. The author's comment. <laughs> well, Timeline right alone. Um. But no, I oh, love the Apprentice. Having... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they showed up, it was just you know that rush of familiarity and happiness to see our characters back in the beginning of the showdown happening, and I thought it was really well done because that's kind of how they would show up is just being sneaky and coming in and saving at the last minute. So I really enjoyed that section. So continuing on, we have uh, our heroes together. They are. Coming up with some sort of defense around that stone uh, round table. And uh, they figure out Wish Rumple's plan. They find the books, they look through them, they see exactly what he's planning to separate them all, separate realms, unhappy endings, all that kind of stuff. Isolation, despair, torment. And whatnot. And so they come up with uh, a strategy and they all split up and they try to figure out the, or they come up with something to sort of, um, you know, the team sort of split up to, to figure out exactly what the next step is going to be. And, and they're going to spread positive energy to the realm to let everybody know that that things will be fine and, and to have hope in their heart and all that kind of stuff. So Rumple ends up finding some magic dust hidden in uh, the um, the spinning wheel, the part of the spinning wheel, and uh, he's like, I, you know, much like me, you know, I would have hit it as well. And so he puts the dust on his hand 
to give himself enough magic to rip Wish Rumple's heart out. And as they're trying to figure out exactly what to do next, Wish Rumple shows up and basically tells them it is time. Like, nothing is going to stop my plan. Everything is going my way. You can't stop me, baby. And while that's going on, we have Wish Henry showing up, uh, not showing up, but he's searching for Regina. You know, she's escaped. He's out there with some guards. And Regina confronts him. And uh, they start talking, but Henry wants to fight. Regina initially is like, I'm not going to fight you. He forces her into a sword fight. And as they're fighting, the portals start to open, and uh, we see that it's affecting our people. You know, the portals are ready to suck them into their own version of hell. And uh, while, while the portals are open and whatnot, at some point, Alice starts to lose her grip. But uh, it looks like she's about to, to get sucked in. When all of a sudden, Nook, you know, gets close to her, reaches out his hand, and she's like, no, Papa, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he keeps on holding on. And elsewhere in the forest, we have uh, uh, Henry and Regina fighting, his emotions boiling, which is causing the portals to get even stronger. And Regina's basically trying to talk him down. And she's like... You know, there are people out there that will love you, that will help you. And uh, Henry's getting confused. You know, why are you doing this? Why did you show up if you knew that I was going to kill you? And Regina basically tells him that if I have to die to show you that you're loved, then that is a worthy end to my story. To prove that, that no matter what you do, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're doing, that someone will still love you no matter what. And it is with that, as it seemed as if Henry was going to stab her to death, Henry puts down his sword, it causes all of the portals to close, and we see a very emotional embrace between Wish Henry and Regina. And so everyone is safe, and everyone has been saved, although Nook ends up falling down to the ground uh, because of that prolonged uh, exposure to Alice. You know, in such a, a close uh, setting, it has uh, poisoned his heart beyond repair. So we'll pause right here before we continue on. And uh, let's see... Uh, Let's go with, uh, let's see, who should go? I'm trying to think. Well, I'll go, because this is Regina, this is my girl. So let me start yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lana was beyond amazing in this scene. Like, talk about redemption. Talk about night and day when it comes to this character. Good grief. If you watched the pilot and this episode, it, it's a completely different woman. And it was 
beautifully written, beautifully acted. Like, I was getting choked up. I was in the feels because I was very worried for her because, damn it, Katie made a stupid-ass bold prediction in <laughs> which in which Regina was going to die. It didn't come true. But I was, like, really worried for her. I was like, is her ending going to be the afterlife? And I can't remember. I think Vinny talked about the afterlife with Regina, too, at some point, I feel like. Yeah. He was, yeah, you and your bitch ass was tormenting me, too. <laughs> Both of your so voices. Those aren't that bad, are they? What do you mean, your weak-ass prediction? Hey, at least I didn't predict anyone was going to die. Well, actually, yes, I did. But at least I didn't predict Regina was going to die. I know, right? I know. Even your weak sauce ones were, were better than theirs, Jenna Pace. I will give you props. Oh, redemption! Uh, well, see, look! Jenna Pace had a, had a redemptive arc throughout the season, and we didn't even realize it. <laughs> boom, she boom, did. boom, boom, boom. I know, right? <laughs> and so, it was just beautifully acted, beautifully written. I was very worried for Regina. But the fact that she got through to him, and I love that line of, like, you know, no matter which version you are, like, I will always care about you. I was like, good grief, has this woman grown so much from season one, episode one. I just got to give it up to Lana. And even Jared Gilmore, like, taking the villainous route these past two episodes. He did an incredible job. The sword fight was awesome. I never thought I needed to see Regina and Henry sword fighting for their lives, but boy, was that freaking fantastic and epic and beautifully choreographed. And uh, mirroring all this emotional stuff that was going on in the forest, like seeing Alice like nearly get sucked up by that portal. I feel like, though, like, had Regina been successful, like, she would have been spit out or something like that. Like, I feel like Wish Blue Fairy popped out of her uh, imprisonment, uh, you know, once uh, Henry uh, put his sword down. So I feel like Alice would have been safe, but, like, had that not happened, like, you know, it, it was very stressful with Alice almost getting sucked in and, and then seeing Nook save her, like, knowing how much of a toll that would have taken on him. Like, good grief. It's just an incredible uh, visual spectacle that we saw. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Jenna Pace, I know that you love uh, our uh, Night Rook people. And you're also a Regina fan. So what did you think of both of these sequences happening at the same time? Oh, damn. It was such an interesting contrast because um, one of the things that I love about the Neverland arc is the fact that it wasn't just, like, one person taking down the main villain. It was multiple people taking down the same, the, the same villain, but in different ways. And Regina's way was getting through to Wish Henry, and later we'll see... Um, other characters taking down Rumpel, but even still just kind of denying Rumpel that satisfaction of getting anyone, let alone his daughter, is Hook's way of taking, of taking Rump Wish Rumpel down. And I think, I think it was really, um, it, it was a really good contrast of scenes. The tension between them built on one another, it made everything really, it made everything super scary, it made everything, um, exciting. So um, I like to talk about Re I like to talk about Regina's scene with Henry because I genuinely do love it. I think that it was a really, really good.
good resolution. I think that I think that it worked a lot. I think I have a I kind of wish it didn't go as far as it did in a way, like with Henry forgiving her because my like he because ne- Regina never apologize never actually did apologize for killing wish she didn't knowing. think they were real people yeah but it's still that's not an excuse because they. i know i wish that they would have had that line earlier in the episode as i mentioned i wish she would have said I, I didn't think they were real people and i was agreeing as you were saying but i'm sorry but isn't actually an apology it's so for so and okay i get it henry forgiving regina is one thing henry immediately hugging regina is kind of almost a step too far, but I do get it. Like, but you liked him. it when he inserted uh, his dagger. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Shut! I'm gonna. I hate you. I hate you so much. Fuck. But yes. Um. But whatever. Um. So yeah, I felt that that took away a little bit from the moment because I felt it was just it, it was along the same lines as that friend line from earlier between Wishhook and Rumple, but. It's, but it worked. It just kind of went a step too far, um, and the Al- the Alice Hook stuff was just, it was just heartbreaking. And you just see the love for the, for, for Wish Hook for Alice that he he knows that if he does this, he's done for. But there's not even a moment of hesitation. He's gonna jump for her. He's gonna save her. The consequences be damned. Because he just can't, he can't even imagine the idea of her going to being stuck in her own personal hell. Whether he knew things would turn out right or not, he had to, he had to save her. And, um, I'm probably not going to talk about that, probably not going to talk about this when it does happen. But I'm sad that the resolution for those two characters wasn't given the time it deserved. But I'm glad that the bond between them was given a little, given this little bit of emphasis. So let's get into Wish Rumple's Plan B. So we all know Rumple loves a, a Plan B. And since he has realized that his uh, curse to send all the heroes into their own personal hell has been thwarted, Wish Rumple has decided that he is going to destroy our Rumple. He will be the sole Rumple in all the realms. He will be the most powerful Rumple. Wish Rumple will be the Rumple that everybody remembers. And uh, so they they get into a fight, and uh, obviously it is pretty much one-sided because Wish Rumple has all uh, the magical powers and our rumple is powerless in a sense and it turns into a bit of a war of words because our rumple is like i'm the most powerful rumple it isn't you and he's like because you are a coward you are weak i am no longer weak i am no longer a coward I have evolved. You are still the same. And basically, it sort of echoes a little bit of what was said earlier in the episode, in which Rumple is like, you know, this is a bell-less 
Rumple. This is a, a Rumple who never had Bell in his life to teach him how to be good. And so there's this great line though from Wish Rumple where he's basically like, "So what are you gonna do? Talk me to death?" And uh, Rumple is like, "No, I am going to do the thing that you are too scared to do." And uh, Rumple decides to sacrifice himself. He sees that his friend is dying. And he's figured out the only way to destroy this Rumple is by this selfless act. So he rips out his own heart. And when he pulls it out, it gets all of the darkness removed all of the blackness of his heart all of that evaporates and his heart becomes pure which shocks and freaks the fuck out of uh, wish rumple and uh, he ends up placing his heart into nook and at that moment our rumple dies and wish rumple gets uh, snapped, basically, for those out there that watched Infinity War. He turns into dust, and uh, his final words are, no rumple? And so uh, we see that uh, the darkness has been destroyed, and our rumple is finally reunited with Belle, in the afterlife and we see them in this um smoky foggy bright lighted area where there's the um the wishing well bell in her beauty and the beast outfit rumple in his outfit when they dance to the beauty and the beast music and they are finally reunited in the land of the living we get this really powerful goodbye from Regina. And, and basically, it's Regina telling Rumple, you know, th this sacrifice that you made, you know, thank you so much. Like, you were my teacher and you taught me one final lesson, you know, that, uh, you know, basically people can be redeemed, that people can change, that uh, we can. Uh, find uh, happiness in, in our life and, and that kind of thing. It was beautifully done, beautifully written, and beautifully acted. So, we've got our Rumple Whisperer. Our students. Uh, she has a doctorate in uh, the Dark One mythology. Heather, what did you think of Rumple versus Wumple? Wish Rumple disintegrating. Did that make sense to you? Like, did that make sense at all? I'm curious to ask you, as our Rumple Whisperer, what did you think of Rumple being reunited with Belle, and then Regina's final words to Rumple? Well, I cried a lot. Um, um, from. I really, I didn't, I, I made it really well through pretty much the first time I watched it. I, I didn't cry until Belle, he and Belle were reunited and she was like, I knew you'd make it home. And I was like, I'm done, man down. It was hard. Um, I really, really enjoyed um, the fact that they 
wrote the scene the way that they did because going into this episode, knowing what was going to happen, um, at least in the fact that at some point Rumpelstiltskin is going to die, um, I was really worried that they were going to pull too many similarities back to season three with Peter Pan, and they didn't. And I thought that that was a really good writing decision. Like there was still some um, some small little bits that were some small similarities, but it wasn't some grand gesture to save absolutely everybody. In 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 a sense, he did save everybody, but it was a small gesture. It was him sacrificing himself to save somebody who he considered a friend, um, so that that person didn't have to go through. You know, didn't have to lose his daughter, so the daughter didn't have to lose her father. Uh, it was a nice little moment, and also, in a way, destroying the worst part of himself. So, I, I liked it. I thought it was very well acted by Bobby Carlyle, and um, it definitely tore me up on the inside. Um, as far as the connection between Wish Rumple and Rumpelstiltskin with the Dark One curse... I can kind of make sense of it in my head just a little bit, as in looking at it from the from the lens of there is a singular Dark One curse. Even back in Season 5, when it was shared between Hook and Emma, it was the same curse, and it was still the same thing controlling both of them. So even if there is a Wish Rumple and a Rumpelstiltskin, there's only one Dark One, which is what I think that they've been pushing towards in these last couple of episodes is, if Rumpelstiltskin, our Rumpelstiltskin, gets rid of his power, then it's going to affect Wishrumple's power because they are connected. Because that curse is a singular, it's a singularity in a way. Um, and I'm okay with that. It does bring up the interesting um, concept of if they are back in time, um, and there is a Rumpelstiltskin and a Bell still out there, you know, traveling the world, doing their own thing. Uh, then that Rumpelstiltskin would technically then also be affected by the lack of Dark One power. So we're in like a time loop, which is really hard to wrap your head around. But that's the only thing that makes any kind of sense to me. Um, as far as his reuniting with Belle there at the end, it was it was everything I was I've been waiting for. Uh, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. And uh, I like I said, I cried. I cried so hard. Um, Regina's speech there at the end was, I loved it. And I want to say that I loved it before I make any other comments on it because it was, it was beautiful. It had so much meaning coming between these two characters who we've been with since episode one, since, uh, since the very start of it. Um, and I think it really, a lot of what she said hearkened on the feelings that we've, we've all had, well, at least I've had towards, Rumpelstiltskin throughout the series. It's been a really bumpy road for both of them. Um, and knowing just how much those two characters uh, have meant to me as a person, and I'm sure to other people as well, it's really, really gratifying to see, even though he was already dead, to see the two of the, see her have that moment of thanking him, of saying, you know, thank you for one last lesson. And, you know, sure, we did a whole lot of terrible things to one another, but, you know, I still loved you in this weird kind of... Uh, mentor mentee almost kind of weird father-daughter relationship thing um so i really really enjoyed um every little aspect of that and i do have to take a moment to say um that as much as this character has meant to me 
throughout the past seven seasons of watching this show. Um, it is, it's really nice to see a character who has, who starts off in a really, really dark place and stumbles the entire way through, through the arc, through the storyline uh, multiple times. And to see that character at the end still get that happy ending, even though he made a move that he didn't think was going to get him that happy ending. He made the right decision because it was the right decision and for no other reason. So, yeah, it was good. I liked it quite a lot. Uh, still have a lot of feelings about uh, losing old Rumpelstiltskin, but um, I think they did a really good job handling that in this episode. Just to add on to what you were saying, Heather, I like that Regina basically says something to the gist of that I'm glad that you're at peace now. And, and yes. I, I thought that was really beautifully written. And I also liked his line right before he died, because it's like, finally, Rumple, you get it. You don't do the right thing for a reward. You do it because it's right. I just really like that line, especially coming from mm-hmm. Rumple. Sort of comparing, mm-hmm. once again, like season six for those that left uh, after the season six finale and didn't return until uh, these final two episodes comparing the season six finale to this one. I feel like this ending, this very final episode finally gave Rumple a truly earned redemptive arc without this Mm -hmm. season, his redemption, like in the very last episode of uh, season six, in which all of a sudden, you know, he goes from being team Black Fairy to, like, wanting to save everybody, it, it rang untrue. Or, or maybe, yeah, hollow, that's the right word. It isn't, untrue wasn't the right word. It rang hollow because it was, like, a spur-of-the-moment, split-second decision. This time around, we saw an entire season in which he got finally an appropriate redemptive arc sure he did go back and forth he wasn't always as honest he made a couple of mistakes but he was very remorseful and apologetic about what he did when he did do the wrong thing which i liked because it shows that his character grew so uh yeah i'm glad that we got this ending for rumple the way that we got it it was written in the best way possible and it allowed his character to really go out not only with a bang uh in the sense that he he did something great that really affected everyone's lives but also in a bang emotionally like it, it was truly the best end that he could end that he could get and i'm glad that he was reunited with bell before we move on because we will be discussing now the very end of the episode any other thoughts from anybody else about rumple uh rumple's death how rumple was uh his arc throughout this episode and that kind of thing before we move on uh yes oh um you want to go first katie no, I was just going to comment and say that I'll say even as someone who hasn't, I mean, hasn't been like the biggest fan of Rumple, and I say that, I don't even know how to describe, but I think, you know, we're on the same page. That. Yeah, we're yeah, on the same yeah, page yeah, about exactly. Rumple. Exactly. I just, I really liked his ending. I, I would just echo everything Jeff said, but um, I like how he actually earned it this time, and um, 
it was done really well. So I just wanted to comment and say that even as someone who um, hasn't, I mean, I like Rumpel as a villain, um, but I haven't been convinced totally by his role as like an anti-hero or whatever, or his redemption arc. So I, I really appreciated his ending a lot. So that's, that's all I wanted to say. So what about you, Jenna? Well, actually, I just want to add on since you're talking about, uh, our sort of relationship <laughs> with Rumple throughout the seasons. Um, well, it sounds like you and I are ending it a little bit differently because we were on the same page for a lot of the time mm-hmm. in the sense that we really were kind of done, like D-U-N done with Rumple, mm-hmm. just because he kept on slipping back so much. And there was that one point in which it, it was almost like a weird uh, domestic violence type of relationship that he had with Belle. Like, I still remember that that moment i believe it was early on in season six where when she was about to live on um the the jolly roger and uh like he like basically like i don't know if he did grab her but if in my mind he like grabbed her and was like you know basically you're you're never gonna get rid of me or something like that i was like good grief man Mm -hmm. like it was it was very intense and um I just was not approving of them at all. But at least for me this season, I guess maybe it didn't work for you, Katie, but I started to like Rumple a lot this season. And, and sure, he made a couple mistakes in which mm-hmm. I spoke up about during the podcast that I did not like. But overall, this was the first season in which I liked Rumple more than not, especially once we found yeah. out that uh, he was awake or once he did uh waken up uh, waken up waken up wake up whatever the hell <laughs> once he awoke there you go there you go uh, mm-hmm. he was much more interesting and um you could tell that those years with bell at the what was it the edge of realms mm-hmm. yeah that that really affected him yeah so yeah i 100 percent agree with that though Mm-hmm. All right, so we're on the same page. Uh, Jenna we Pace. Are. Jenna Pace. Thank you. Okay, so, well, first, because we're all talking about our impressions with Rumple, I'm going to talk about mine briefly for a moment. You stole from me, I'm going to steal time from you. Revenge is going to be mine. What are you talking oh, about? We are talking so, about Rumple. So you're not yes, stealing I, anything. But, uh, shut up! <laughs> Just and think about that dagger in Henry. If she wants to believe she's stealing time, let her believe All it. right. You are stealing time, <laughs> Jenna Pace. All right. Thank you. Just think about that dagger while you're stealing time. Is it possible to fire a <laughs> show? Okay, fa- let me Vinny talk. loves it. You know I love me some V.C. Andrews. Growl. Okay, so... I've loved Rumble from the moment I saw him. He was actually, like, my main pull into the show. In fact, the Rumbell relationship, my friend described, and I was so interested that, honestly, it's what made me watch the show. And as soon as I saw Rumble, saw his design, saw how powerful he was, it was just my big hook onto the show. And I've loved him. I've loved him as a villain. I've loved him as a redemptive hero. And I've really loved his back and forth because he's the he's the dark one. It's not, His redemption's going to be the hardest and I like how he kind of had this descent to villainy after losing Bay and losing his freedom and such, and how he's gone to those dark places. I didn't care for his season six redemption either. I'm right with you. I'm right there with you, Jeff. 
but season seven has really helped, really helped it, and it did, and it made this ending feel very much deserved. Um, I also just want to add to the fact that this is a really interesting ending for the Rumple Hook relationship because these two characters have been they they've been foils to each other all throughout the series. And granted, this is a wish iteration, but a decent chunk of that history is still there especially, like, the inciting incident, it's different now, but it's still something, but still that the pirate and the crocodile coming together and the crocodile making that ultimate sacrifice, it speaks to their relationship and it took it in a very interesting direction. So I just feel like that's an important thing to comment on because this journey kind of acts, this journey acts as Rumpel's ending point on almost every level. And if that's as that's one of his most important dynamics, I felt the need to feature it. So there you go. Thank you, Jenna Pace. Vinny, would you like to not really steal time and give your opinion on Rumple? <laughs> Since you are the only one that hasn't spoken about Rumple. <laughs> I mean, I ha- everything's already kind of been said. The only thing that I will say is that when he woke up, I thought the scene with Belle, you could obviously tell this was a time thing and it was just a black studio with fog. And I was like, oh, this is kind of let down. But then the more that I thought of it, just having the well there and the blackness in the background, it's the simplicity of their relationship. And it actually, the second or third watch through really got to me and resonated really, really well. Actually, can I jump in for another half a second? Because Vinny brought up something that I want... I have a different opinion from Vinny on that. I like how dark and mysterious it was. I mean, for the moment, it's supposed to be ambiguous what Rumpel's fate was until he sees Belle and that well. So I like how creepy... I like how it's creepy. It's mystical. It's kind of... It has the atmosphere that I wanted from Blue being pulled into her book. And it creates that cool, scary ominous and later heavenly atmosphere so yeah see i'm the opposite i wish that they would have brought up the effect from the cave in the underworld and i wish that they would have met up there and i wish they would have walked into the light i guess but i feel like rumple's redemption was complete so he had no unfinished business to begin with so he could have just gone right to the better place no but i'm saying if you don't have unfinished business you show up there so you can walk into the light i just i i like continuity and throwbacks and that would have been a callback to the underworld arc maybe this is like after he's already walked through the light or he's in the middle of the light Middle of the light. Like, does that help you? Oh, that's why it was so bright. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll go yeah, with that. Go. He's in the light. <laughs> like Carrie Ann. Or Carol Ann. Yeah, shout out to Carol Ann. This realm is clear. Okay, I'll write Tangina. <laughs> or Tangina, <laughs> if you want to go that way. Tangina. Right. No, because that makes <laughs> it sound like Orangina. Or Angina for RuPaul. No, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with Tangina. Well, there you go. <laughs> So moving right along, later on that night, uh, Regina is joined by Wish Henry and Adult Henry, and uh, they're like, so what's next? Uh, Wish Henry is now Team Heroes, and uh, she ends up deciding she's going to cast a new curse, and the Henrys are like WTF. And she explains that she wants to cast a final curse. Because she found her little uh, dark curse uh, scroll. 
She's like, she wants to cast a final curse that in, instead of sacrificing, you know, the one that you love, it would be like a little bits and pieces of, of the hearts of everyone that loves her and whom she loves. And she wants to cast this curse to unite all of the realms so that no one is split apart ever again. You know, what if all of these realms and all of these kingdoms are hidden away in this little hamlet in Maine? And so... That's what ends up happening. Although, a little side note, because it did give me a giggle as I was watching the episode. I guess if Charming and Snow can each have half a heart, that Wish Hook can have two hearts inside of him. Because I was like, they never ripped <laughs> out his poisoned heart. So, that was kind of interesting in and Thank of itself. Thank you. <laughs> and now, Regina's asking everybody to give a little piece of their heart. I'm like, good grief. Like, what about heart disease, have, people? They have a whole extra heart with Hook now, though. I know, there right? There's a the time lord. fixing it. Yes. And so, I guess after she does this, we pick up several years later. That's just to confuse us even more. We see that all of the realms have been united. And they're all basically adjacent, uh, whatever you would call them, neighborhoods or uh, suburbs connected to Storybrook, Maine. There's this awesome moment where a, a little CGI Tinkerbell uh, basically took us through all of the realms. We saw all of our favorite realms. And as we zoomed through to, sh to see that they're all connected, they're all one. And um, we see a car driving, and it's Zelina and Regina. They're on their way to uh, the Charming's castle. And they're talking, and we get a teeny, 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 tiny bit of exposition that answers a question that all of us have been wondering. At least I have, and I've been bitching about it since we never frickin' found out the answer to this. Did you know that Maleficent's daughter was fathered by Zoro? Wait, Zoro's a dragon? Who'd a thunk? Because we yeah. saw Maleficent flying in the sky up above and apparently she didn't RSVP and so Jenna Pace it sounded like you wanted to interject mellow theory confirmed I said something that I said something like <laughs> off topic thing that was never confirmed in the series or like some long question that no was it's never not asked. called mellow it's called weak sauce it's a mellow theory <laughs> and it was confirmed you bitch no, it was confirmed, and I was going to oh. give you your props, Jenna Pace. Good grief. Yeah! He's going to take it back now. <laughs> I know. She gets no props. I hate you. Wait, where's the hang-up button? No. Okay. Oh, Jenna Pace and her weak sauce. Her weak sauce was good, though. So, her weak sauce brings everyone to the yard. <laughs> and they're like, it's better than y'all's. Hey, it's better than the <laughs> dead theory. Yes. Don't want to throw shade, but I'm throwing that shade like a weeping willow on a hot day. Yes. Um, shout out to Khalees, if anybody understood the reference that I just gave, which it sounded like maybe just one of you did. Oh, well. Continuing on. So they arrive at the uh, the castle. We see that 
this really is some time later because Zelina has magic. She poofs herself away. We see that uh, everyone is in their finest. We see young Wish Henry is there. And he opens the door and we see Snow and Charming surprising Regina by letting her know that the people have elected her as the leader of the newly united realms. So, so she is queen of all of the realms. And uh, as she's getting coronated queen, they are interrupted. Sorry I'm late. By Emma, Hook, and their baby, Hope. Hook, our Hook, uh, even has a child proof um hook if you didn't notice and uh, as they reunite and hugs and kisses and all this kind of stuff snow chastises her daughter can we continue on and regina has been dubbed the good queen then regina ends up uh giving a, a speech about second chances and all this kind of stuff and and talking about happiness and that their stories will continue on and uh, basically echoing the term that was introduced in the previous season that it's all about happy beginnings and uh, everyone cheers for Regina and uh, then we have this beautifully shot moment that I was not expecting at all. We get this really dramatic um, emotional music as we zoom through Storybrooke at night. It looks like it was after a rainfall, which which made it even more beautiful because of all the like the, the glistening of of the buildings and the the road being wet with uh, rain. And we see grannies. We see Gold's pawn shop. We travel through Main Street, and we see a lot of the shops and whatnot. We see the clock tower, and then the very final shot of the series is a zoom-in of the Leaving Storybrooke sign. So, Katie, you've been with me since the beginning. We've been doing this for five seasons. We started off these podcasts uh, during, not during, but at the start of season three of Once Upon a Time. Talk <laughs> to me about the end. Uh, talk to me about uh, this final ten minute sequence in which Regina decides to cast a new curse. And all of the realms are brought to Storybrooke. And uh, she has been dubbed, or elected, I should say, the Good Queen. Oh my goodness. Wow. I First of all, I can't believe it's been five seasons since we've been doing this. That in itself is a long time. And to think that the show has been going on for seven and it's done is so sad. But in a good way. I think that especially the way that they ended this season was just fantastic. I loved, first of all, we'll tackle the the new curse and um, bringing the realms together. I love that they did that. And I think this is something that we have been talking about 
for a while at least, I feel like we always said, I wonder if someday Storybrooke will become a part of the fairy tale realm. And Yeah, we've we been discussing not, that for a couple seasons. We have, we have, and we were not wrong. <laughs> um, so I, I, I really appreciate that they have followed through with our theory. Um, and I like how it's more than just Storybrooke that joined the magical, this new magical realm. I love how it's all of our favorite places, you know, Arendelle, um, everything just left my mind at this very moment. Well, it's all of it. Um, we saw the um, <laughs> Land of Untold Stories. We yes, saw all of, of the various uh, castles. Everything. Yeah, every I'm single thing. I'm assuming, like, thing. Wonderland's probably there. Yeah. A bunch of different stuff. We saw yes. Oz, the Emerald City, in, in the background at some point. Yeah. They basically yeah. turned Storybrooke, if you think about it, into a Magic Kingdom-style park with right? all the various lands <laughs> and whatnot. Oh, that's true. I mean, even down to yeah. Tinkerbell kind of flying through it was very sort of like mm-hmm. disneyland uh, yeah. and and uh walt disney's uh old show from way back in the day when you know you would go like one week it would be all about Adventureland and then tomorrowland and, and that kind of thing it was mm-hmm. very pretty it was nice yeah yeah i loved that so much and it just makes sense for the show and i love thinking about it in terms of like thinking about the future for these characters. You know, they, they can pop over to Arendelle and visit Elsa. They can um, they can go to Oz and see all of the things there. Um, it's just, it's the munchkins. fun. It's, yeah, all the munchkins and the She said uh, all of the things there. <laughs> all the green monkeys. things. Yeah. Zelina can go live over there. You know, there's, it's exciting. I love, I love that they did that. Um, and it's fun to think about it in a future sense. Um, but I wanted to talk about Regina's speech and then the last look at Storybrooke. I loved that so much. I loved that, um, Regina gave the last speech and it was all about, you know, the future and second chances. And, you know, we've had good times and yes, there was losses and there will continue to be losses, but they can get through everything with hope. And I did not know, notice, notice this the first time that I watched it, but I noticed it the second time I watched it. I love how Lana Priya looks directly at the camera when she says we can get through it all with hope. I love that so much because she's not, the message of hope in the show has always been for the characters, but it has been just as much for the viewers as it has been for the characters. And that's that's what a good show is all about, a good story is all about, is, is um, bringing these themes of hope and second chances and whatever your story is about, whatever the underlying theme is about. It's not just for the characters, but for the reader, and um, in this case, for the viewer. And I love how they included us in it by having Lana Priya look directly at the camera and directly at us. Um, it just, it, it was very, it was a very neat thing for them to do and to add to it, and it helped draw us in. You know, it was a nice payout for the fans who have been here since the very beginning, and even fans who have just, might have just come in for the season. It's it's a good payout in that it draws us in and shows us that 
we matter. This is why they've been able to go on for seven seasons because loyal viewers have been tuning in or they've, you know, shown up later on in the seasons and have gone back and rewatched and have continued to watch and um, to show us that there is hope in the world. You just have to find it and you just have to look at it and second chances can be given no matter the situation. And um, I really, really liked it. And I loved how they flashbacked to some of the best moments on the show. Um, I've rewatched the show a lot, but, but um, I, there have been some obviously that I've skipped. Um, I haven't done a full rewatch yet, but seeing some of those scenes in there that I haven't seen since maybe they aired or a long time ago was really neat to see as a viewer to be like, Oh, I remember when that happened. And, um, that was the fun arc and such like that. So that was really neat. And I like how they lined them up with what her speech was about. Um, that was just really neat. And I thought that they were going to like end the show there. And then, these guys have to pull more tears out by flashing over the town of Storybrooke and showing us some of the best sights from Storybrooke that we've gotten to know over the years. Um, we got to see Emma's bug. Um, we got to see Granny's diner. Uh, and then, of course, the last scene was the sign leaving Storybrooke. You called it. Yeah, I did call it. I did call it. And I guess... Up to this point, I had forgotten that we had not seen that sign yet. Um, so uh, when they were flashing over the town, I was like, oh, I know where they're going to end and I'm going to cry. And it was it was tear-jerking moment. And I love that. It was good, good payout for the fans who have been here since the beginning and um, who, have, who have followed the show and called Storybrooke their home, home away from home. And um, it was just, it was really, really neat. And I, I liked it a lot. Um, did I miss my chance to talk about Hope and Emma? No, you may talk about Hope and Emma. I can't. Okay, yes, awesome. this is that section. Perfect. Okay, so the last thing I want to kind of talk about is my favorite character's return. And not just her return, but we got the original Hook and we got her baby. And I am I was so so excited because I can't remember when it was. I mean, I, we got the confirmation that she was pregnant in like the second episode of the season. And then later on, they had done like one of those um, rapid fire spoiler round. Ugh, spoil- oh my gosh. Why am I forgetting the name hot of them? Seat. Hot seat. I, I've forgotten the name all season, but yes, the hot seat interview. And someone had asked, are we going to see Emma's baby? And they said, no. And I was kind of crushed. I mean, I, I kind of expected it. Because, you know, she had said she would come back for the second episode. But at that point, we didn't know that this was a series finale. So I was kind of crushed. So I was like, but I want to see her baby so bad and we're not going to. And then when they announced the series finale, I was like, well, they better bring Emma back for the series finale with her baby. And I am so glad that they did that because I love... I love that little scene. I love what they named their baby. I know some people have called it corny. And honestly, this show is corny. This show has always been corny in the best way possible. And I'm glad that they named her Hope. First of all, she wasn't named after someone who died. So she wasn't a junior or someone who is even still living. She wasn't a junior. That is like a first for the babies of the show, to be honest. <laughs> They've all been named well, after Lucy. someone. 
Well, Lu- okay, Lucy is another exception. I forgot about that. That actually might not be the case, though, because Cecilia, I could see kind of like Lucy being a shorthand version of that, so that's arguable. Okay, okay. So, so Hope I have is to really look up first... if Lucy, if Cecilia is Lucy in Spanish. I don't know if I buy that, Jenna Pace. No, I'm just saying, well, like, I could see somebody going, like, like, just in terms of English, like, going Cecilia, Lucy, just kind of, like, for short. I think that's true. Cecile is Cecilia in English. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. But you I'll give that? you half a point, Jenna Pace. I'll take that half a point. <laughs> since I don't want to get forever. cursed at again, bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> cursed at regardless. I'm going to put you in thing, Katie. two Go separate on. corners. Good lord. Go work your differences Go out. think about that dagger. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I, I love that they named your hope Specifically because it's a great ending for Emma's character. Uh, Emma comes on the show as someone without any hope. She's someone who's grown up in the foster system uh, in a really bad way, who doesn't know her parents. She gave up her son for adoption. Um, she never thinks she's going to find true love. You know, she makes a comment that one night stands are about as far as she goes. And then we flash forward seven seasons to Emma with a husband, a son, a mom and dad, um, friends. And now she has her own baby and she's happy and she names her Hope. And that was just so powerful to me. It just shows how far Emma's come. You know, it's a, it's a great metaphor for her story. She's holding on to Hope, who's her child, but she's holding on to everything that she's gained throughout, throughout these last seven seasons. And I think that's so powerful. And I love that because Emma's always been one of my, um, always been one of my favorite, um, favorite, she's been my favorite character, I'm not even going to be ashamed to admit it, you all know it, Emma's my favorite character, and I love, 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 love that they gave her that ending, and even if the name is corny, I don't care, it makes sense, and it's very metaphorical, and it was just a really nice last shot, and um, it, it made me, it made me all happy inside, so I, I love that a lot, but um this ending especially the last 10 minutes were just fantastic i loved the ending so much and it was very very well done and i do agree that i think this was a much better ending for the show as a whole than even the season six one which i also really loved so i i much preferred this the season six finale i like it Vinny. What about you? What did you think of uh, that final 10-minute sequence in which Regina decided to cast one final curse and all the realms united? It took me by surprise, honestly. I thought of many different ways they were going to end it, and I honestly thought it was going to end with them going back to the Enchanted Forest and leaving Storybrooke that way, and everyone back in their, you know apparent realms being able to use the international dimensional speedway that I joke about to be able to see each other. So when she said she was going to cast another curse, I love the fact that both Henry's were like, Oh, 
you know, because that, that's we've all joked about that over the years, like, oh, they're casting another curse. But, you know, the fact that, you know, they threw that last one in there and this time the way that she twisted it and she did it, I, I loved it. Because the, the one thing that has rung true about this series is that these people have interacted with others from across countless realms. And why not bring them together? You know, why not make it a realm of its own so that they can all be together and, you know, have their happy ending? Because they knew the series was ending. And what better way to give the happiest ending than they possibly can than bringing all of these different areas together, which would tell us, the viewer, that all of the characters that we may not have gotten to see and get reacquainted with in this finale episode were there. You know, we know that they're reconnected. They're all able to see each other. They're all able to go about their lives. And they're all relatively protected from the outside world with the hidden aspect of the spell, even though Storybrooke has now become, like, as large as... New York, I guess, <laughs> with all these different realms. It was a really, really nice way to kind of put a bow on the box of the show and put it up on a shelf until it's brought back later. The funny thing is that when she did her whole thing looking at us and looking at the screen and saying, we'll get through it all with hope, I didn't initially take that as the the word hope and like the emotion or the feeling i took it as this is their careful and clever way of saying that you know if there was another season or if there's ever a reboot we can get through it with hope because she was just born and kind of saw it as like a seed planted to give a wink wink nudge nudge if anyone ever wants to reboot the show where they can start so i thought that was actually like you know, pretty clever because it's a double entendre. It's either that or it's just her saying that we'll do it with hope and looking out at us, the viewers, like was just pointed out. Um, Regina becoming the good queen, I it blew me away. I, you know, honestly, this character started off in such a dark place and she started off with such hate in her heart. And now she has gotten to this point where everyone has forgiven her and she's done and made recompense for her sins against each character on the show. And she's still not perfect. You know, she's still got the history behind her. But this was her moment. This was, you know, the moment that a lot of people probably thought would have been Emma. But it was really Regina's story in a lot of ways all along to me. You know, even when Emma was the main character on the show, they were kind of parallel, but I always felt like Regina was the one going through the redemption. Regina was the one making the biggest journey out of everybody, along with Rumpel would probably be on par with her. Uh, just seeing her being given the kingdom that she previously took, and not only that kingdom, but all the other ones, all these people in all these realms agreed that she should become the queen. And to see Snow and Charming standing there in you know their royal apparel and honoring her and crowning her, it, it just really, I felt so happy for the character. And I, of all the endings they possibly could have done, I didn't see this one, you know, I didn't think of this one. I thought it, you know, of a lot of different things, but I love what they did. They, they were able to actually get me out of left field with how they chose to end it. I thought Wish Henry was going to be poofed and gone. Um, maybe stuck with a dagger. You never know. Um, but yeah, I, it was really beautiful. And when I mentioned earlier, the part that like really got me to so this episode, I when I say that I cried, I was doing that like begin crying. Like they were welling up behind my eyes and they were there and I was all like glistening eyed. But, you know, a couple of tears fell. But the, the dam broke the moment they did the montage. 
when she was talking about how there will be sorrow, there will be hope, there will be loss, there will be love. And we saw the compressed seven seasons in flashbacks. And they all had that little like gold sparkly filter on them. It was just seven years of my life shared with these characters and this story flashing in front of me. And that was when it really kind of started to sink in, like, this is the end of the journey for now. This is, you know, Regina's got her happy ending, and it wasn't about true love. It wasn't about a man. It was about family and the future and hope. So that's when I kind of started to lose it, and my boyfriend was sitting there passed out, and I'm sitting here, like, bawling to the point that, like, tears are, like, going down on my pillow because I'm going to miss it. And then I thought that was going to be the end, as was also pointed out, and then we did the whole Leaving Storybrooke thing, and then I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I may or may not have gone and done a shot of whiskey after the end of the episode, because it was, it hurt, <laughs> but it, in a good way. <laughs> Tequila. <laughs> Woo! Um, but yeah, it, it was a really nice finale, and a really nice climax to everything that we've experienced and we've done with these characters. And I think everyone, the, the scene when Emma busting in there with just like Regina in episode one, but it's her with the baby. And the look on everyone's faces when the doors burst open was priceless. I don't know if you all caught that, but it was like everybody just kind of froze and you could tell it was like, oh shit, what's going to happen now? You know, and it was just Emma. And when she said, how did you really think I would miss this? I, I loved it. And you couldn't even tell that that was filmed on green screen with some of those characters or actors not there. Like Charming and, his, and Snow White were not there when Emma filled, filmed her scene, I believe. It mm-hmm. was so well done, I didn't even notice. Agreed. Heather, what about you? Oh, man, that ending got me, too. <laughs> um, so the only um, thing I, I wanted to ask you guys about for um, the start, the, the very beginning portion of this 10-minute uh, ending was, um, do you think that Regina actually went around and talked to all of the people from the other realms and was like, hey, you really want to move over to Storybrooke with us, or did she just cast the curse and like, I'll get used to it? Um, <laughs> it's a Why are you ruining this, Heather? Why are you ruining you know, this? No, I did think of that because I'm just like, you know, picturing like, you know, someone somewhere in one of the realms is like in the outhouse, <laughs> going to the bathroom, <laughs> and all of a sudden the smoke comes and they they're like, oh, he's at Granny's. Well, okay. <laughs> Well, uh, indoor plumbing uh, in Storybrooke. Well, didn't didn't they send um didn't all the others like go to the different realms and tell them that stuff was going down? That's true. No, they That's just true. went through the wish realm, I think. Oh, okay. When they had the, the meeting, yeah, I think it was just in the wish realm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they did go and talk to people. I mean, since she it was elected queen of the later. realms, you know. Yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to point that Plus out. Plus she had to collect all the pieces steel. of the heart. That's right. So she went around. Okay. Um, uh, I loved the, um, aside from that, I really enjoyed this ending. Um, all of the little guest appearances and the, the wide shots of the coronation were fantastic. Seeing the dwarves again, seeing uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio and characters that we haven't necessarily seen in a while um, popping up like that. It was wonderful um, little homage to every season of the show, especially since they were uh, mixed in with um, some of the other characters uh, that we've gotten to know during season seven. Um, there was one scene, and I cannot remember if it was before or after um, Regina's speech. It might have been during Regina's speech, 
Um, but Jenny Goodwin had just completely and totally lost it. And one of the takes on her face, you could see her just bawling her eyes out. And that was the moment that I was like, you know, I'd, I'd finally kind of recuperated a little bit from Rumpel's death. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make it. And then I saw her crying and it was it was over from there. And then the uh, then the vignette hit and um, the little scenes of um, at the end, it all did me in. Um, as somebody who has watched this show multiple times, this is like my background music kind of show if I'm doing something. And I don't need to be paying complete attention to it. Or even if I just am having a night and I just want to watch something, put something on the television. This is what I put on. Um, and as someone who's put a lot of time into the show, it's been something that's very encompassing in my life for the past several years. Um, that little montage was so emotional. There were so many beautiful moments that kind of reminded you of not just our main cast's journey, but even the journeys of some of the smaller characters that we've seen. Um, getting to see at least Ruby one more time in the little montage was fantastic. Um, and this is a show that's inspired so much. It's inspired tons of fan fiction, fan art, all of that. And everything that this show is about is encompassed right there in the end of Regina's speech when she's talking about hope, when she's talking about going from um this place of despair and all of that and it coming to a place where she can have hope and see hearing regina say that um was a fangirl moment on my part at least um and it's such a beautiful message to viewers as well people who have been with the show from the beginning from halfway through from this season alone um and seeing those flashbacks also makes it very real um, especially when when, you, when they did the um, the span through Storybrooks, it makes it real that this is it. You know, it's over. There's um, there's no more that's there's no more that's coming unless they do a reboot, which would be beautiful. Um, but it's very very satisfying to see the show go out in such a beautiful manner, um, and to see it go out with with some dignity and with a proper ending to it. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that we got to go back through Storybrooke to see the place that we'd all kind of come to view as, you know, at least home in a sense, I guess you could say, as, in as much as you can with fiction, um, and a place that we're very familiar with and we have attachments to, um, because it's been very weird this season not seeing those places. Um, and whenever it was going through it and I was, you know, bawling my eyes out, it um it, it always, I always turn everything back towards Harry Potter because that's like, you know, one of the biggest things in my life. And J.K. Rowling, after the seventh movie came out, was like, you know, uh, you, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome us home. And I feel like as long as there's fan fiction, as long as there's people that are invested in the show, this fandom is something that will continue. That Storybrooke is always a place that we can come back to. The, the show is going to be out there on DVD. It's on Netflix. It's in a place that we can watch. And it's nice knowing that this journey that we've been on for seven years or however long you've been on the journey has come to such a beautiful, uh, wonderful end that really makes you feel like you've been on a journey with these characters and really makes you connect to the people in the show and people that you never really thought that you might have a connection with. So I really enjoyed this ending and everything that it symbolizes and all that they managed to ball up in a 10-minute little section of TV, television. I like it. Jenna Pace? 
Oh, my God. There's so much to talk about. So, combining all the realms, what a crazy, loony idea. It's beautiful, and I love it. So, I... Ever since people have been saying, what realm is everybody going to be in throughout the seasons? Are they going to go to Storybrooke, the fairy show world? And I always hated the idea that they would be leaving Storybrooke. And I, yep, I was like, please end the series in Storybrooke. I love Storybrooke. Please don't make it go away. It's such a nice town. It's a character unto itself. It's, as Heather described, it's Hogwarts. It's the Harry Potter verse in a single town. And... Thankfully, this was, like, the greatest possible way that we could get the best of all worlds. Does Snow and Charming live in a castle? Do they live in the farm? It's up to you. Emma and Hook, do they live in their house in Storybrooke? Do they live in the castle as well? Up to you. What do they wear? Up to you. It's beautiful. It combines so many great and crazy ideas and... It's just the perfect moot for Once Upon a Time. It's the essence of once in a single story decision. So, yeah, I, I love it. The idea of Regina being the good queen. I will say this, because I'm about to gush about how what a great decision the good queen is. I hate the title, the good queen. It just sounds weird. I, I agree. Been, like, the hopeful queen. Oh, but yeah, I do too. It is supposed to be the inverse it. of no, no, the super queen. I get it. Yeah. It's corny, cool, but it just—it is it, very it corny. Like a two-syllable word. It's just—it worked. The evil queen works because it has a rhythm to it. The good queen doesn't really have a rhythm to it. It just sounds awkward. That said, the nice I queen. They should have called her like the white queen or something. Eh, but that, I well, mean, no, because isn't there a white queen in Narnia? No, that's the white witch. No, there witch, is. Yeah. Isn't there yeah. a white queen somewhere? I feel like if there's a white queen in some fairy tale. Alice part, in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you Anyways, go. And plus, she's Latina. I'm just saying. Very true. Um. Anyways, um. So I like the idea of this being Regina's, you know, her thing. She being the she being the good queen, the queen of all the realms, the united queen. Maybe we can go with that. Anyways. Oh, um, that's good. So. Because Regina started her arc being forced into royalty. Even her name depicted she would be forced into royalty. And while she was chosen for this, you know, Regina consented. We've seen her grow as a leader. We've seen her grow as somebody who can help take care of townspeople, believe in them, take the lessons that she's gained from others and internalize them and use them. She's a perfect person to be running things. So it is such a good ending to see her step into this role to be ready for it in terms of being a character. It's just beautiful. So, yeah, it's it's lovely. Um, now to talk about one of our amazing surprise returns. Like Katie, myself, like Katie, Emma's also my favorite character. Seeing her, br- seeing her come in, getting to see the leather jacket one more time, seeing Hook and Hope. Um, there's a really... There's a little bit of an odd controversy with um, Hook with, like, those couple of scenes with them together where it's, like, some people are saying that, that like, Hook kind of gets a little infantized, but I don't really think that's a problem. Anyways, it's just cute. It's nice to see them have this baby. It's a culmination of Emma's arc to see her now surrounded by family and friends and a husband and a daughter, see her just 
very happy. Happiness is now her natural state after she's gone through trials and tribulations. And also, I love the scene between Emma and Regina because we get those little bits, those little callbacks to early with Miss Swan and Madam Mayor. Um, that was just, it's a great dynamic, and I'm glad that we got to see see it one last time. I'm glad that we got to see that hug. It was just a very meaningful callback that spoke to that spoke to their relationship. And that actually brings me to those last moments. Actually, no, before we do it, I want to touch on Regina's speech for, like, a moment, because I have a very tiny, petty complaint that has nothing to do with Regina's speech, but it has to do with the montage. Emma and Hook were not in the love part of the montage, and while I'm okay with it, it just made me really sad. Like, I went went through that and watched that a million times. Emma and Hook were not in there. We got snowing twice. We got to see thought, Jasmine and Aladdin of all things. I thought we got to see the the scene nope. where they're kissing outside. No, um, there were no. No great kisses they could have used. They could have had the wedding kiss. They could have had no. you traded your ship for me kiss. There were all huh. sorts of great kisses, and we got none of them, and that makes me so sad and upset. Anyway, huh. but Regina's speech. They were over in the that actual episode, episode, though. So. Yeah, that's what I kind of took it as, is because they had that big scene where they bless or bust in like that. That's why we got them. So I, I was okay with that. I know. I think it's just, it's really weird because, like, everybody else was in there. And everybody, every other ship kind of had their moment. But regardless, um, regardless, it, it was still a really beautiful montage and a really beautiful speech just that spoke of the optimism that has, that has, um, taken taken Regina through these seven seasons as she's gone on her journey. The most celebrated are the rehabilitated, and that montage celebrated Regina. And now again, I want to go to those final moments. The zoom out of the the zoom out of the coronation, I believe, is important because how they did that zoom out, who, the last characters that were shown off, was going to be a very important thing. Um, and I like that a kind of balance between Emma and Regina. There has almost been kind of a dual protagonist thing, as Vinny pointed out, between Emma and Regina. So, and because Emma hasn't been prominent in season seven, you know, there were worries, and especially with Regina's prominence, like, what kind of role would she have in these final moments? And I feel like the show, in that zoom out, in their cinematography, honored both of these women very well. I was very happy and proud of what they did. And the way they zoomed out kind of like showed off everyone. So that was just great. And then those last moments going over Storybrooke, it's beautiful. It's glimmering. It's glistening. It's well unattended. It's full of life. And I will, and I have to admit, this is kind of a funny thing to close off on. When I heard that last boom, I expected something. I didn't know what to expect, because they kind of, once it, like, closes, it closes, like, on a doom. And usually that's, like, something scary is about to happen. Like, I half expected, like, a beam from an alien spaceship to come down. Thankfully it didn't, but it was just cute. And, yeah, it was just, it was a gorgeous ending, and those last shots are something to marvel at the the just those last moments they i I watched them shortly before we started recording because i wanted to rejuvenate my brain for the episode i was getting legit goosebumps 
it's gorgeous, and I don't really think we celebrate the special effects team as much, because, of course, you know, there's a story going on, and you have to focus on the story first, but in those last moments, they became the carrot. They became our lead cast, and showed us just what they do, and how they do it so well. I'm Hello? assuming Jenna Pace is done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, you've all said a lot, but I still have things that I want to discuss about it. Just because, boy, was it such an amazing ending. So when Rumple died, and Wish Rumple died, I looked at the time, and we still had a, had a lot of time left. Like, we were going to have one uninterrupted chunk of episode left, and I had no idea what we were going to do. Then we came back, and Regina was like, let's unite all the realms, which I was like, how is that going to work? Because we have the Wish Realm with like the duplicates of people, and then you're going to have Storybrooke with the regular people, and then you're going to have all these other realms, and I'm going to assume, uh, what do you call it, the... um. Uh, Wonderland, and then the Wish Wonderland, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was very confusing in my head. But once they showed it visually, and we zoomed through everything, all of the kingdoms interconnected. The Land of Untold Stories, Arendelle, Oz, Maleficent's Castle, the uh, Dark Castle, the Charming's Castle. Uh, what else did we see that um, was pretty awesome oh we saw agrabah and everyone was connected with bridges and whatnot it was just beautifully done and it was magical and it was good grief why isn't this a real place because i would so love to visit there although it was as i mentioned kind of magic kingdom ish so i guess if you go to the magic kingdom or disneyland or disneyland uh, magic kingdom style park you can sort of imagine that uh, you're traveling through storybrook and uh, visiting different realms and that kind of stuff but it was just visually it was beyond impressive and seeing the dragon in the sky flying over storybrook maleficent flying in her dragon form was pretty awesome as well my girl queen of the realms the good queen good grief once again night and day from the evil queen in season one episode one to the good queen in season seven episode 22 i just love what they did with regina her speech was beautiful. Seeing everybody was there was amazing. The only thing that kind of annoyed me just a teeny tiny bit was, uh, like, you had someone like Ariel in the previous episode. Couldn't they have recorded her on a green screen in a gown clapping or something and just, like, showed her, like, digitally edited into the mix or something? Um, I didn't like that Naveen wasn't there. That seemed a little odd. Uh, was Zelina with her husband? I don't know. Did they get married? Like Little questions like right. that. I kept on kind of wondering. Like They could have easily have just been in the crowd or something like that. So that was teeny tiny, teeny, teeny tiny little things that bugged me. But uh, the coronation was amazing. The crown was gorgeous. Emma interrupting and using a, the exact same line, but as opposed to it being sort of like in a nefarious kind of way, in a cutesy kind of way, was beautiful. Love seeing the red leather jacket again. The uh, the hook being baby-proofed was 
a beautiful, imaginative, and amazing touch. If there's anything that I really would have liked is for Nook and Hook to have interacted. But it was some years later, I'm sure they've met and whatnot, and so that's kind of fine, I guess, in my head. And the fact that they were dressed so differently was kind of cool as well. It sort of showed that they are different people and their styles are different. Like, Hook is still kind of hooked, no pun intended, uh, on that pleathery outfit and our Hook from this season, Nook, uh, is was in much more sort of formal-ish attire, which uh, was kind of nice to see. And I love that uh, Wish Henry was there. You could see that he has been fully embraced by uh, the people. And it looked like he had a the, the deputy um, star. So I guess maybe he might be a sheriff or a deputy or something. I, I thought that was kind of cool as well. To echo what Jenna Pay said, I love the Madam Mayor Miss Wan because it was so season one and it, it was um, such once again night and day to their relationship in the first season where basically Regina at every turn was like well Miss Swan like you can leave like you can leave town you need to get your ass out of town you can leave I can handle things here this is my son and now things have come full not full circle because full circle would mean that it, it went back to where you started it, it's um a complete 180 of where we were and it's just it was beautifully done teeny tiny little moments but moments that were needed just the same obviously because snow and charming did not film at the same time as emma we did not see them specifically interacting but the fact that with the editing and whatnot that we saw snow sort of reprimanding her daughter was beautiful and then the final monologue from Regina, seeing the flashbacks. I don't know if I can add anything else to what everyone else has said, but just seeing all the magical moments, all the beautiful moments, all the the sad moments, all of the the amazing twists and turns that we've experienced throughout these seven seasons. And as Katie said, seeing Regina look into the camera and tell us that everything can happen with hope was... Uh, beautiful positively brilliant and then everyone clapping seeing all of our favorites from the past from this previous season and then ending it with sort of like regina looking at uh, her new subjects was beautiful and then of course the final shots like panning through the forest and showing us storybrook once again, and showing that Storybrooke is the Storybrooke that we've grown to love. It's the same. Seeing the yellow bug, the rolling bayou truck, showing us all of our favorite shops and restaurants, panning through the city, and then leaving Storybrooke. It was perfectly appropriate, beautiful, poetic. I didn't think aliens were coming. But it was just the most amazing way to end the series. And uh, it was positively magical. So, before we head into the MVP, I'm sure many of you have maybe complaints or questions or agitations based on the some years later, some time later, all that kind of stuff. So... 
let's talk about this several years later, sometime later, whatever you want to call it. How did you interpret it? Did you have any issues with it? Was there anything that confused you about it? Or even the uniting of the realms uh, as far as multiple versions of the same character and that kind of thing showing up? Was there anything that bugged you at all about the the time jump that they did? Do you think they caught up with adult Henry and it was that amount of time later what do you think is going on and happening? Because obviously we did not see graduation Henry, although he could technically be out there and, and fulfilling his side of uh, the timeline, if you really think about it. So uh, who wants to go first? I think it I, mean, has I will. To be... oh. <laughs> go ahead, Jenna. I think it has to be the present day one, because then if, because then if Henry was going off filling his t- thing in the timeline, Regina, I mean, unless the, Regina had already joined them. And also Hope was, like, just born, so... I don't know, I feel like at the very least they... At the very least they skipped, they, like, came sort of back in time, whereas, like, Hope's still an infant. Like, they more or less caught up... Like, Lucy was just born, probably. And they went to approximately that time, because Hope's still a kid, still an infant. Except for Neil. No, Neil was nine. No, but so it it adds up decently. That kid was way younger than nine or ten. That was like a seven-year-old. Right. According to the interviews, he's nine, ten. Well, also Uh, Zelina had magic. Yeah. That's the only thing that would hiccup what Jenna was saying. Or they just kind of made a weird time convergence thing where it's like it, it all. We all got it together. We're all like. In the exact moment we're supposed to be. I don't like that. But um, if you want to interpret it that way, that's fine. I okay. sort of took it as like several years later. Like, I don't know if they fully caught up to Henry and his adulthood. Because if you think about it, how many years would that have been? Like maybe 10 years? Like I could see it being 10 years. Like they caught up. Maybe? He would, it would have had to have been right after he met Jacinda. Because he had just met Jacinda when Emma came through in, was it episode two of the season? When Emma came through and she had just become pregnant at that point. So it's at least nine months from that point. So True, but one could like also interpret Hope as being at, like, at least a year old. So it could be like at least a, at least a couple, couple years. years after that. The timelines alone are confusing. I right? know, right? The timeline's low and will give somebody a headache. That's it. <laughs> I kind of looked at it like when she cast the new curse, she reset the old curse, and they all, if they hadn't been merging the realms regardless, they were all put back into their appropriate times. So any past versions of characters would have been sent back to you know where they were brought in from Storybrooke, but they would have the memories of what happened during this time. So by passing some time later, it was kind of like a, I don't know if paradox is the right word, but they go back to old Storybrooke with the memories of what happened. And then the sometimes later not only gets us current to season seven um, with them having broken the curse and coming back to current times, but about a year or so after that. That's what I took it as. Um, Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I looked at it. Oh, well, if you think about it, the Regina that cast it is the Regina from the quote-unquote future. So technically, Mm -hmm. since she's casting the curse, 
we could think of it as her also sending people, sending Storybrooke in particular yeah. into the future with her. Mm-hmm. Oh. Exactly. That's a good way to look at it. I like that. Yeah, because that would fix time issues. Because then, yeah, yeah like she's already from the future. Through. So yeah, yeah, she's, she's just fast-forwarded everybody. She moved mm-hmm. those people so that their time just jumped to the future, per se. The one the one problem that I do have is I and it wasn't addressed and it you know we'll never have it addressed but it's just the it is the multiple versions of people because if you think about it there's still wish Regina out there somewhere that would have been brought into this new realm where everything is together because she just ran away she wasn't yeah. actually ever killed um, so there's definitely a lot that would ha- come to play with that and then like wish henry and young henry so that's just like a whole other can of worms like i thought that maybe he would have gone away or yeah I, the resolution with him was a little bit weird and so seeing him there i didn't exactly understand what they were doing with him but you're going to have wish blue wish granny because there were scenes that we didn't get to see where there was more interactions and we saw wish granny mm-hmm, yes uh, so that was a little bit of a mess, but obviously they didn't have a lot of time. Um, and then just like, how do they manage the size? Like, is it like a pocket dimension with Storybrooke growing this large that they're, because New England is small. And they've just added like how many realms to this, what was once just a little small town. So it's, it's that whole, like how much space or are they in an alternate space, but not, and yeah, weird physics, nerdy stuff. Yeah. Some of the stuff, it looked like it popped up in the forest and then there were bridges. So some of the stuff could have popped up uh, like in the docks, like the, the ocean side of Maine. You know, and they and I'm just making it up in my head, but like maybe some right. of the magic expanded the land into the ocean, and it's one yeah. of those things where it's hidden from the outside realm. So if ships, you know, could be go by, Ex- they don't really see it; they just see forest or something. Yeah, expanded. Also, you have to think since the wish realm came over, um, every like the wish realm obviously has a wish Neverland because of Peter Pan. That means mm-hmm. that there might be like a wish Agraba, a wish Arendelle. So it's like everything yeah. transferred times two because of the wish realm. Let's just leave the wish realm behind. Yep. I love the wish Ride realm. Ride it out of the story. Never. <laughs> That's what I was kind of thinking was going to happen when she like made wish Henry go good again. I kind of just had this like weird feeling like the wish realm was going to go away in a kind of bittersweet farewell and stopped, you know, stopped to be because when she killed the charming, she left something unfinished there and his revenge might've been powerful enough to keep it alive. But once that was satiated and done away with, I kind of was thinking that it would like wink out of existence, but it was interesting that they chose to keep it and to make it, like, permanent. Yeah, but think about it this way. If they got rid of the Wish Realm, then odds are Wish oh, yeah, the true. Palace might have gone away, too. And yeah. once upon a time was not going to kill those two after all the shit they had. <laughs> right. We could we could also keep Wish Graham. Because he's yeah. out there somewhere. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, oh, I wish true. he's a- He can stay. Allegedly. If he's not he's filming there. a movie. <laughs> oh, wish Merlin! Wish Merlin! Wish Merlin should be alive or yes. a tree. And wish he's, he's a tree too. Uh, that means there's wish dark ones too. 
Wish Nimue. Well, no, remember Dark Ones no, were removed. Uh, so uh, no Nimue, thank the heavens. Oh, good God. Thank you. <laughs> you really I don't like Nimue, do you? No, she was horrible. She oh, was right. Not as, not as bad as uh, the Mila Militia, though. Okay. <laughs> I, will get, I will get my revenge in the postmortems. I'm excited. Okay, so uh, now it is the moment of truth, everybody. The MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. Since we are discussing the series finale of Once Upon a Time, we will be adding a special round of MVPs. So the first round is the normal MVP. And because there were so many cameos of past favorites, we will be doing a second round that I'm dubbing, because I just can't come up with a better word, the MVP cameo of the episode. So any of the fan favorites that returned, if you want to give them a little shout out briefly during the second round, you may. So I got a name for it. Mm-hmm. The MVP. Because they basically oh, played like peekaboo. And it really peaked <laughs> for interest. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if I approve of that, but we'll <laughs> we'll see. So let's start off with the MVP, and uh, I will go first because I rarely do, and because I have my character, I'm giving it to Regina. I just oh, loved Lana throughout it. the entire episode. She was perfect. Uh, I mean, just seeing her fighting. Wish Henry, her speech to him, her speech to Rumple, and then her speech at the end. And even like the, the reunion with uh, Emma, it was just beautifully done, beautifully written. Uh, I just, I don't know what else I can say about Regina. Uh, she has been my absolute favorite from the very first episode. And I ended the series with her still being my absolute favorite. And if you think about that, sometimes that does not happen on... A TV show, you know, characters change, the writers change, the writing changes, people, people, I should say, writers, make the characters do things that you might not approve of, and then by the end of the series, you might not like the character anymore. Or the opposite, you might start off hating a character and then loving them by the end of a series. But I've consistently loved Regina, even at times in which they were making her go back and forth with her redemptive arc. I was still sticking by my girl, and uh, I just loved everything about her in this episode. So my MVP is Regina. And I'll continue on in the order in which uh, you all joined the podcast. So that means, Katie, you are next. Who is your MVP uh, and why? Yay. Okay. So I am going to go with Rogers. No. Um, so sorry, Jenna. Oh. <laughs> You can stab her with your dagger. Yeah. I might. Please don't. <laughs> um, I, I, I've loved him not only throughout the season, but I loved him at the end. I loved how he helped everyone out, how he had that moment with Rumpel when he reunited with Alice. Um, you know, he de he's done everything out of love for his daughter, and um, he's truly been very helpful to them. And I, I just really liked it, and I love the end to his arc. Um, it was it was fun to visit a different hook and to see what a more compassionate 
different side of him would look like. And we get to see that with this version of him. And I, I really liked it. And um, particularly in this episode when he was just helping everyone out and um, talking with Rumple, And it was just, I liked it a lot. So I'm going to give my MVP to Rogers. Jenna Pace, your MVP and why? Well, because my MVP was stolen, Katie. <laughs> Sorry. I will have to choose somebody else. And thankfully, I did prepare for this inevitability, so <gasps> I had a backup. And that is Robin Jr. Um, yeah, I really like how she was very take charge. I love that scene in the opening of her talking to Zelina and being very, being like, yeah, Mom, okay, this is the scenario. We've got to do this. Go do this thing that I know. You feel a familiarity with Storybrooke, with her mother and such. It's a, it's a very subtle scene that talks, that, like, shows, the, shows that mother-daughter relationship once more. Um, and then also her, her being, she's very supportive of Alice, and you see her, like, holding her when Alice is feeling all sad. One of my favorite of the, one of my favorite of the promo pics that was released is just Alice and Robin holding each other, and they're both very distressed, but they're just holding on, and it is so, so cute. And finally, and finally, um, when she goes to see, when she goes to ask Wishhook for his blessing to marry Alice, and her determination to make sure that he's with her to walk down that aisle. It's just remarkable. And it actually speaks to a character dynamic that we didn't get to see a lot during the series, which is Robin and Wishhook, because Wishhook knows about Robin. Robin, for many years, was his sole way of getting in contact with Alice because because she sent letters back and forth. She was Alice's first friend in the realm when... Uh, when she came back and didn't really have anyone, she was a big support to Alice. So seeing that subtle bond actually get a moment in the finale, it was a scene that I didn't see coming, but captivated me. And so Robin just had this surprisingly strong presence in the finale. And I feel that that has to go celebrated. And Katie, while I'm still very mad at you for taking Wishhook away from me, <laughs> glad that it gave me the opportunity to celebrate Robin Jr. That was adorable. Heather, your MVP and why? I mean, it's kind of obvious. Um, well, my yeah. MVP's well, yeah, is <laughs> going to be Rumpelstiltskin. Shocker. Um, original so, recipe. Original recipe, not extra crispy, extra juicy. Woo! <laughs> Woo! I'm very sad that we're almost at the three-hour mark, and this was the first Juicy of the entire podcast. <laughs> I'm very disappointed right. in wow. myself and in all of us together. Hang on. Let's see how many we can weave in here. Challenge accepted. Oh, I see how what you did there with the weave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, okay, so I have um, been a gigantic fan of Bobby Carlisle since I was probably 12. He's one of the reasons... My BFF. Uh, he's one of the reasons that I got into the show, um, and I gave it a shot the first time. And as soon as I started watching it, I really kind of latched on to Rumpelstiltskin as a character. He's from, you know, learning about his kid through learning about, in, in episode 12, about that kind of deep streak of self-loathing and also the fact that he found love with Belle. And it's been such an incredible journey with such an amazing, deep character that is 
in so many ways relatable to any and everybody, um, especially in the fact that he is, you know, he stumbled multiple times throughout the seasons, which, you know, it, it has been frustrating at times to see him stumble and to make those um, those mistakes over and over. But it's also very human as well. You know, it's something that we as we as humans we don't get everything right every single time. Maybe we don't go to the extremes of the character here, but it's it's, it's relatable character. And to see him in this episode and his arc throughout the season, to see him fully redeemed as a character that has gone through so much heartache and so much crap. It's very gratifying. Um, see him have, see him choose someone over himself. To see him choose the right thing, even though it means sacrificing himself and his own happiness, which we did see back in season three, but on an even grander scale, I believe. Here, um, it's it's wonderful and it's beautiful, and I think it's such a a wonderful end to such a complicated and deep character. Um, Am I sad that he's dead? Yes, I'm very, very sad that he's dead. But seeing him go out in that way is awesome. Knowing that he's at peace and that he is with Belle and he's at with Bellfire, even though he wasn't in the episode, um, it's wonderful and it's it's so so very gratifying. And I think that they, the writers, at least with with with, with Stilskin's character this season, have done an absolutely fantastic job bringing that character to the play, point where. Um, where fans of that character can be okay with him being gone. Um, I also did want to point out that the score during this this whole episode was absolutely amazing. But the the point where he and Bill have their little reunion at the at the well and their theme starts playing through was fantastic as well. And I meant to make that point earlier, so I'll sneak it in right there at the end. And Vinny, your MVP, Woo. and why? Wish Henry. Amazingly enough, I'm going with him. Um, what really struck me about this character played by Jared Gilmore is it was such a polar opposite of everything we have seen from Henry Mills from day one. There have been times that his character would annoy the ever-living shit out of me, and there were times that I just wished that like they would have gotten him off the show because sometimes he was just whiny or really just kind of persnickety i don't know i had a i had a very off and on liking him but in this episode this was a character that was created out of nothing and his world he was created into was this utterly happy beautiful pristine realm where there was no evil happening and he really didn't have any dragons to fight or any monsters to slay and so everything about him being a knight was ceremonial and his mother was a total wuss and you know a, a little feminine princey girl who didn't ever lift up a sword, didn't ever have to do anything. So he was very sheltered and he was very innocent. And when that was all ripped away from him, the transition from that into the complete opposite, corrupted by revenge and a desire for hatred to come to fruition, the way that Jared Gilmore played this character blew me away. I wasn't really that thrilled about hearing him coming back at first because I didn't really care for the Wish Realm in the beginning. But seeing it play out and seeing it over the past two episodes and seeing how this character was played by him, I, he was my MVP because he was the 
back in the beginning, Henry was the catalyst that started everything. So it served to be correct for Henry to be the catalyst to end everything as well, to get Regina to make that, you know, final step and that final admonition of love that changed his heart. I love the parallels that they had between the two things. So he was such an important character to the ending of this series. Plus, he was just downright nasty. I, I was impressed. Like, this is a kid who's played, you know, the 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 young truest believer who is always, you know, positive and tries to be happy-go-lucky and tries to, like, you know, get everyone else to believe. And he played the exact opposite of that, and he did it to the nines. And I, my hands are, my hats are off to him, and applause is raised because it was phenomenal. Vinny, the boy will be your undoing. I know they say that about my boyfriend all the time because <laughs> <laughs> he's younger. Now it is time for our very special second round of MVPs. It's pretty much just to put a spotlight on some of the fantastic cameos and the fan favorites that have returned uh, for the series finale. And uh, we will go in the same order. So I will go first. And I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to give it to Granny. Because I love me some Granny. And I knew that she could make a mean lasagna. Who the fuck knew she could make some awesome sandwiches? So shout out to (laughs) Granny and her sandwiches. And the crossbow action. She was just fantastic. I loved seeing Granny again. I know that we recently saw her very briefly. But the fact that they brought her back... You know, it's just part of that storybook nostalgia returning to us in this very final episode. Katie, who's your little MVP cameo that you enjoyed the most? Well, this is going to be the last time I'm going to be able to give it to her. Because, you know, I used to always give it to her all the time. Mm -hmm. That's why we made the rule. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I am going to give it to Emma, obviously, because of all the reasons that I said before, not too long ago, but I, I love Emma and I love the journey she's been on and just her ending with naming her daughter Hope and being happy, finally content and happy and having everything she never thought she would have is just so powerful to me. So, um, she gets my guest cameo MVP. Juicy Jenna Pace. Woo! Woo! Okay. Um, I hope you I hope you can forgive me, Jeff, because I'm going to kind of cheat here. Because there is a company <laughs> I want to celebrate, but it's not necessarily for a character. It is for Storybrooke. I think Storybrooke over the seven seasons has become a character. It's more than just a setting. It's li- it's alive. It's, it's something. It's some place. It's a heart. So I want to celebrate Storybrooke because of just the fantastic way that we return to it. In the opening scene with seeing all these familiar places and people together again, it just it breeds that feeling of nostalgia. It breeds that feeling of comfort and safety. It subverts itself for a moment by having, uh, by having Granny and Archie and Grumpy go all haywire for a moment on Alice and Robin. But it also is so normal for Storybrooke over the that we've seen just outside of the times of peace, and then in that last moments of the series when we're going quietly through Storybrooke and only the score is gliding us as we say goodbye to more than just a town, more than just buildings and chairs and tables, but old friends. Just it—it's magical. 
Storybrooke is more than just a place. It's a person, it's family, so I'm going to celebrate that as my MVP cameo. Okay, I will allow it because it is the series finale, although it really wasn't that much of a cameo because it was there for like half the episode, but... Wasn't it was there for like a moment! No, it was like the beginning of the I wasn't going to say it, Jeff, but I thought the same thing. <laughs> but, and like... Hey, you know. I will allow it because it is the series finale, but that was a big-ass cameo, I'm just saying. Heather, your turn. Um, my cameo goes to Charming. Um, I love Prince Charming and Snow White, and nobody gives hope speeches like Prince Charming and Snow White, and I've missed them so much, but especially Charming, because, I don't know, I always liked uh, Charming a little bit more than I did Snow, so... Charming it is. I like it. Vinny, your girl is still available, but I'm curious to see. I can't let her down. No, I was going to say, I'm curious to see if you're going to pick her or if you're going to surprise us. (laughs) I have to pick her because it's the last time and she's my babe. She's my favorite. She's she's the best green bitch there ever was. I'm going with Zelina for that final time. <laughs> she, you know, I mean, the Zelfie section, you know, like there's that section where she just, yes, I'm the Wicked Witch. Yes, take a picture. It's fine. You know, I thrive on bitch characters. I always have. I start, it started watching Dynasty when I was a kid, and I wanted to grow up to be Alexis Colby. You know, and Zelina is like the embodiment of every little like, gay bone in my body that's like, oh, I'm living for this bitch. You know, to have that flashback to her before, you know, or where we were, you know, when they go back in, in, in time to Storybrooke, and to see her without magic and all bitchy about it. And then just her daughter just to, like, stupefy her with, like, oh, this, 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 and this. You hate driving and this and this and this. You know, and just the overall Zelina-ness of everything. Like, I have always thought she was my favorite character. You know, she dethroned Regina in season three as my favorite and has been ever since. And I absolutely just love the end when they're they're driving and then they're walking up and that it was the two of them driving together as Maleficent threw overhead when they dropped the Zara line, and then she just poofs away just as they're about to walk into the coronation room. You know, she she was a huge part of Regina's journey, and I absolutely adore the fact that she was there for it, you know, because I was so worried when Kelly went off to live with her husband that, you know, it, she wasn't going to show up in the finale. And then when I found out with the cast list that she was, I was extremely happy, and it was a really nice ending to see her there accepted amongst everyone else applauding regina's coronation and she i i got kind of teary-eyed i mean I, I won't lie though i hated her dress but other than that i i don't have any, any nitpicks about it it was beautiful and I, i'm really sad that i won't get to pick her as mvp again oh then a quick question yeah we never got to discuss this, but I'm curious what you thought of, 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 of Zelina's personal hell in her book. What did you think of that? Because it was funny. Oh, it God. It was really funny. I, 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 I was like, oh, 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 Which is- oh. I kind of wish we'd gotten to find out what everybody's was, because I was really curious to see what Blue's was. And Ooh. just to find out more about everybody, like what would make them absolutely miserable for the rest of eternity. Um. Oh, it's really funny that... Um, 
that Zelina's fate was a fish, considering the first person she trans she transforms into is Ariel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I'm so confused. Zelina turned into Ariel? No, no, no. Zelina, in her book, she's, like, surrounded by these fish, and, like, what's going on with all these fish, she says. And I found it funny, because one of Zelina's first character transformations when she's, like, turning into other people is a, is a half-fish woman, Ariel. I don't remember that. Zelina yeah. turns in into Ariel? In season three. Roger. She yeah, in season three. Ariel and only reveals herself after Killian. Oh, Squirt. that's right. Oh, yeah, she curses okay. his lips. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay. There you go. Now we all understand. Thank you. You're We're welcome. On the same page. Yes. Of this crazy fairy tale. <laughs> Unhappy ending. Good grief, everybody. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the final time we will be rating an episode of Once Upon a Time here on Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. So uh, I got to do the spiel. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. And uh, as it was announced in our previous podcast, because this is uh, the series finale, it sort of was treated as like a two-part series finale event with the penultimate episode, we have added two additional special ratings. If you are left feeling indifferent and truly cannot choose a rating, you may grant the episode the poisoned apple. And if you found the episode so exceptional that a golden apple just won't do. You may grant it the limited edition Platinum Apple. And Vinny suggested this in the previous podcast, so I will add this in. If you would also like to give a special rating to the finale vis-a-vis its two parts, like combining its two parts together as a two-hour finale, part one and part two as a, as a singular entity, you may do that as well. I do want a specific rating for this episode, though, and if you also want to rate both parts together, now having seen both parts and, and uh, maybe either bumping up or, dare I say, lowering uh, <laughs> your rating, you may do that as well. So, uh, okay, let's see. Let's do reverse order, so that means Vinny will go first. Okay. Uh, so for this episode in and of itself, being the final piece of such a long tapestry of tales, I'm. I it made me remember what I loved about the show. It made me just wish that it was going to continue. It brought me to tears. It made me laugh. It made me feel proud of certain characters, and it just tugged on my heartstrings in every way possible. So I'm going to start the Platinum Train and give it a Platinum Apple, because it was a wonderful finish to the series. And as far as my suggestion, I do want to give an apple for both episodes. I think now that I've seen the full picture, I have a much better opinion of the previous episode, because it really does... They play like they were meant to play back-to-back. I, I will give the overall arc of the episodes together also a Platinum Apple, simply because 
we got to see so many people come back for split-second cameos to have one last hurrah, which testifies to how much these people cared about giving us that final goodbye. We got Cruella, we got Ariel, we've got so many cameos. We've also got our characters going back to be with the core cast from the previous six seasons as much as possible. And it just really was, it, it felt like the book was closing. Hopefully the book will open up again one day and we'll continue with hope or maybe the same cast, maybe a different cast. But it just made me walk away feeling so complete and so happy that my sadness and anger at it being over was vastly overshadowed and I will give a platinum both times and shine that sucker and put it up on the wall because once upon a time, it will be my favorite show forever. That was beautiful. Heather? Well, thank you. You're welcome. Your rating, Heather. I'm going to jump right onto the platinum train. Choo-choo! Um, <laughs> and give it a platinum apple. Um, I thought it was an awesome episode. Uh, did I have a couple of reservations? Yeah, but overall, I feel like the nostalgia f- from certain points throughout the episode. I feel like they handled characters very well through the episode. And it was a it was a fitting end to a story that has meant quite a bit to me. So I will 100% give it the Platinum Apple. And as far as watching both episodes uh, together and reevaluating that, I agree 100% with Vinny. These two episodes play so much better when you watch them side by side. Um, to the point where I really wish they would have just given them to us in a two-hour series finale and been done with it. Uh, it really makes the storyline solidify a bit better when you watch them together, and it makes everything feel a little bit more final, I guess. So I will give both together a platinum apple as well. Juicy Jenna Pace. Woo! Okay, so I was um, I was seriously debating whether or not I should give this episode a golden apple or a platinum apple. In the last episode, I remarked that the episode that um, seven twenty one was so good that it actually made me fear for the fact that seven twenty two might not be able to live up to how good seven twenty one was. <gasps> and to an extent, I think I was right. Some of the story holes in seven twenty two are unavoidable, but. Is it still a worthy series finale? And the answer to that question is yes. So I'm going to jump on that platinum train, give it a platinum, and Ooh. for both ones, because I was the only person to give it a platinum last time, platinum is the average. So, woo! Jenna Pace did a little psych-out moment there, and I was thinking about, like, really? You gave it a platinum last week, and you're going to give this one a I golden? Know. You have no idea how on the verge I was, and it would have been really awkward, but I genuinely did come to the conclusion that it deserves the Platinum Apple. Okay. It works as a series finale. It has all the rings that I would want out of a series finale, and it had beautiful cameos, great last hurrahs, and a wonderful send-off to the cast that I, cast and characters that I've grown to know and love. And it was extra juicy. Woo! Woo! We gotta Woo! make up for last time, Woo! listeners. Thank you. Katie? Okay. Well, I'm going to stay on the same train. Uh, I'm going to give it a platinum as well. Um, I really like this finale. I really explained everything throughout the episode, and I'm not going to go over it all again. But it was 
just really fantastic. It was a nice way to wrap everything up, to wrap not only this season up and the characters from this season, but to bring in everything from the original seasons and to pay off all of us who have been watching since the very beginning and give us something that was truly magical at the end. I particularly particularly really loved Regina's speech and the montage and then um, the sweeping over the streets of Storybrooke. Um, that was just very special, and I think it wrapped up the show as a whole very, very well. Um, so I, I couldn't have liked it any better, and I'm going to give this episode a... She forgot. Oh, my God. Guys. Really, Katie? Katie, you have I aged... I thought she was just keeping us in anticipation. <laughs> Katie has aged a hundred years while we've been podcasting really since the very first podcast. Phone. What's the name of it? <laughs> Platinum. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to say this again. I am going to give this episode a Platinum Apple. Thank you, Katie. And are you are you doing the combined one? Do you want to? You don't have oh, to. Was, no peer pressure. If I was gonna do a combined I one. I would probably, I'd probably give it golden apple for combined, just because there were some things in the first one that I don't know. It just I, I talked about it when we did the first part of the finale, but um, I, I it was good. There were some things that I wasn't a fan of. So I would probably give, to even them out, I'd probably give them, the both of them combined, a golden apple. Um, but the second part definitely was um, spoke more volumes to me than the first part did. I really liked it a lot better. Well, that brought the mood down a little. Listeners, I was about Sorry. to say uh, that uh, I was about to apologize to the listener saying that this segment was probably a bit redundant, seeing as all the platinums all over the place. But Katie just brought us back down to reality by um, giving a combined golden. So, see, see listeners, if you stick around and you listen to everybody, you find out that we've got a Russian judge, and it wasn't Vinny. <laughs> Plot twist. Yes, there's still plot twists in the, in the series finale of the podcast. I placed a well, sleeper agent at the beginning of the season. Yes, it's not the series finale of the podcast, <laughs> in, in our season finale, so there's still plot twists yeah. coming through. And, uh, well, besides Katie's little hiccup, I will be giving this episode a platinum apple. I mean, come on. It was just fantastic. I said it in the beginning, during my initial reaction, practically perfect in every way. It was beautiful. It was magical. It was emotional. It was just the best finale that, that I could have uh, ever imagined for Once Upon a Time, especially in a time crunch, if you think about it, like... I, I don't think Adam and Eddie were prepared for this to be the series finale. And the fact that they could pull this series finale out of nowhere and uh, make it work, make it sort of like what we've experienced in the past, kind of like a standalone, quote, in quotation marks, uh, two-hour spectacle. And it work so beautifully i just give them major props and kudos i really loved this episode i feel like i've said everything that i needed to say about it throughout this entire three plus hour podcast so i will just wrap things up by saying combined together i will give the two hour series finale a platinum apple 
as well. So now it is time to do what we always do at the end of a season. It's a little bit more um, emotional this time around, or, you know, it's stirring our emotions because it is the series finale, the, the end of the, the entire series of Once Upon a Time. But we are grading right now season seven as a whole from the beginning to end. How would you grade this season of Once Upon a Time? A, B, C, D, F pluses and minuses are allowed and uh let's spice up the order and go a little randomly and let's start off with heather i would this is a hard question i would give the first half of the season like an a plus and the second half of the season like a like maybe a B plus. So overall, I think I want to give this season an A minus. It has been one of my favorite seasons since back on season one. I think that they started the season very, very strong and realizing that they that this was it, they kind of had to rush a lot of storylines that they wouldn't have otherwise rushed. So I did really enjoy this season, and I, I really do believe that it was one of their better ones, even though there were so many little issues that we all found uh, problems with throughout the season. But I really did enjoy it, so I'll give it an A-. minus. So we've got an A- minus from Heather. Vinny, how would you grade this season? I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. Um, the The season as a whole, and it's really hard to like take the last two episodes that made me so emotional and so happy and fulfilled and, and not have them like overshadow the, the issues that I had with this season. It, there were a lot of ups and downs. There were a lot of things that I really loved about this season, but there was also a lot that I really took issue with. Um, you know, certain characters being underplayed or brought in and not played with enough as far as like what time they were given in story arcs. Um, even though I didn't really care for his relationship with Regina, the facilier thing was just kind of like, hey, there's this big extra bad guy that... If they knew alleged they, bad they, guy, alleged bad guy, yes, I will, I will give them that. You know, here's this potentially big time character that is seasoned throughout the episodes, and then his denouement is being stabbed in the back and being swept under the rug. That to me was really, really poorly done. And I, even though we got a brief mention of it and a brief flicker of emotion on Lana's face in the following episode, and every time I look back, that's one of the big things um, that I didn't care for. And also with some of the pacing in the earlier part of the season, we had a huge issue where they were trying to juxtaposition the flashbacks and the current time like they always have. But there were some flashbacks that I really felt could have been shorter, others that could have been longer. And I really, I commented on this earlier on during the podcast, not today, but previously, how in a lot of ways, this actually felt like the first season of a show that was struggling to find its ground as it compared to the first season of Once Upon a Time, which was so strong. You could tell they were struggling to get the requel heading in the right direction, and they struggled with determining whether they should put the focus on our previous characters that are staying or have it more on the new characters and i feel like the balance of that didn't really find its footing until the season was about three quarters of the way done that being said the plus sides of everything was the latter half of the season you know as as much as i loved victoria slash virginia and i loved drizella 
it, it kind of got a little better when they were gone. Their story arc was finished, and the characters were able to focus on Mother Gothel making it rain and being all horrible, bitchy, super mega bitch. Um, but again, Trezella and Victoria, I would have loved to see more with them. I would have loved to see them have multiple arcs should the series have progressed. And if they, you know, when they found out they weren't and they had to go, I would have liked to have had at least Rosella back in the end because we're never going to get the finishing touch to her story. As far as we know, her and Anastasia have traveled home, but they're going to be part of this new realm. Kind of like you mentioned with Ariel, I would have loved just to have you know the actress there with Anastasia as well, just in, in a green screen and a gown, CGI'd in later. Uh, so this season had a lot of struggling areas, but it was very strong, and so I will go with the B+. We've got an A minus, a B plus. Next up, the two named wonder, Jenna Pace. <laughs> okay, um, I think I'm going to also give the season a B plus. So, I think the season did a lot of things well. It was very interesting to see cursed perspectives for characters that haven't been cursed before, and it led way to a lot of interesting dynamics. My favorite of which was, of course, Rogers and Weaver. But, and then the new characters gave a bunch of, gave, were really strong as well. I really, of course, I loved Alice Tilly. I loved Robin Jr. Um, Ella and, Ella and Drizella really did have, really had their charms and such. But I'm also with Vinny where the story really didn't know exactly what it was going to be. However, I think just as much of the focus on characters was the, is a problematic the focus on story was a little bit harder and that was something that i don't really know if it ever exactly found its footing at the start of the season we had this whole thing with gentrification and this tyrant who's trying to take over the neighborhood and separate henry and ella and then suddenly in episode six once regina is awakened it's all up to, it's all about magic it's all about who's awake and who's not and stopping gothel and from and from there, then we're jumping around to serial killers and who's in the coven of aid and where and where's Tilly and we're setting up love stories and it never get and even in those final episodes, it doesn't really get its footing. Even the finale kind of jumps around a lot, but it's oh, thankfully a little bit better, better founded. In term, and also one of the big problems of this season were the villains because six villains was was a horrible idea. I mentioned this before, but the Queens of Darkness arc back in season four it worked because the, four of the villains were working on the same team, and most other villains were either were already established, so it was a lot easier to welcome those villains in and tr- and not to be over bloated with them. However, all these different villains while together at points were meant to be established and have their own growth on in going and they were all going in different directions. Where really maybe four villains would have sufficed, if not fewer. And some of the villains like Nick ultimately does nothing for the season and 
it sucks because he took away from a very interesting Regina dynamic with Dr. Facilier. Whatever that relationship would have been or whatever Facilier would have ended up being as far as a villain or a hero or a redeemed a redeemed villain, it's sad that we never got to explore it. And his death was just such an insult. It just, it made me so sad and it hurt. And... It even felt like it felt like a lot of those villains didn't really get proper send-offs. Even Tremaine's death, I remember, it just kind of it rushed to finish off Tremaine's story arc, where she had all this going on with Anastasia and Drusella and Gothel, and suddenly it's just boomed away in in the scope of an episode. And it kinda happened a little bit with Drusella too, though thankfully that was a little better. But I do find there were a lot of weaknesses, but in the same vein, there were a lot of strengths. A lot of individual episodes stuck out as great additions. The season premiere Hyperion Heights was uh, was a delight, and it set up really interesting stories. Um, Eloise Gardner, apart from a certain scene, was a really cool mystery crime episode that incorporated our fairy tale characters in a really cool way. Um, the Girl in the Tower is one of my personal favorite episodes because of the focus on its main character and how they uh, decorate this complicated picture. And, yeah, when they served two dynamics and kept their and tried to keep their focus for a little bit, that's when the season shined. And thankfully, it had a lot of those moments. The faults have to be acknowledged as well, but... I genuinely did like the season. I liked what it did for characters. I liked how we had consistency in some senses, like with Regina. I liked how we got to see new additions. I don't know how I how a wish hook ended up being so beautiful and so beloved. Now this relationship that we barely saw became just one of my ultimate favorites of the series. Two in two cases actually, both with Killian and Alice and with Alice and Robin, things that I cherish. And the season deserves its props for deserves its props for doing so such good things when it actually like when it was able to keep things together, which I guess is more often than I thought, but also less often than I thought. So B plus. So we've got an A minus. We've got two B pluses. Katie, how would you grade season seven of Once Upon a Time? I am going to stay on the same train as every as the B plus people. Um, <laughs> I really did like this season more than I thought I would, to be honest. Um, when I heard that we were um, that you know when everything was changing so much. But we were still going to have, like, Regina and Hook and Rumple. I didn't know how it was going to work, but I like how they did make it work. Um, they just, they did it in a really good way. I liked all of the new characters that we had um, a lot. I really did like them a lot. Um, even for the people who didn't serve that much of a purpose, I still liked them. Um, I particularly really liked Tiana and... Um, Tiana and um, wow, Naveen. Alice. I did like Naveen too, but I really right. liked 
Tiana and Alice a lot. Their additions were really great. Um, I really liked them. I loved the um, actresses who played them. Um, it was just, it was fun. It was a fun, a fun adventure. But, you know, I did have my problems with this season. Um, they're... You know, the, the, they they definitely, you can definitely tell that they rushed things when um, they found out that it was going to be a series finale. And that was, you know, kind of, um, that was kind of upsetting because I feel like they could have gone really good places with these um, characters or given them a better ending. Um, but, and particularly in... Um, his name is totally escaping me right now. Uh, Platinum Apple. Yeah. <laughs> the one that Vinny was talking about. <laughs> Naveen? I'm losing, uh, not Naveen, but the nemesis. Oh, Facilier. Gosh, Facilier. There Dear you Lord, go. My brain is not working anymore. I've been talking too long. Um, Naveen, or not Naveen, oh my god. Facilier. Platinum Apple. Facilier. Good lord. Um, I was particularly kind of upset with that because he had the potential to be a great villain. And um, I would have liked to see where they would have gone with the relationship with him and Regina and to have explored it more. But obviously, they ran out of time and they had to rush everything. And that was kind of upsetting. So things were victims of the time rush and that was kind of upsetting. But... For the most part, I really did like the season. There were great additions of cast and new characters, and um, it was it was a really fun adventure. And I thought that they gave us a really, really good and deserved ending to the series. So I will give this season a B plus. So we have an A minus, and we've got three B pluses. Where will I fall? Am I on team Heather, or am I on team Jen Vin eighty? <laughs> you have to wait and see as I give my reaction, or as I start sort of uh, analyzing the season. Because to be quite honest, I am stuck between two grades and I think I might have I might convince myself as to which one to go with by the end of this so uh, I really liked the season I, I thought they did a great job uh, changing things up and giving it a season one feel uh, I didn't mind all the villains I, I thought each of them had appropriate arcs and one of them I didn't really see as a villain, although we saw him do kind of nefarious things on occasion. But it looked like they were going to give him a more redemptive arc. And I still believe, had this series been renewed, and let's say season 8 would have been the final season, I do think that they would have gone the full romantical route between Regina and Facilier. And we would have seen them... Uh, redeem the character and make him an, an appropriate love interest for Regina. I believe in Shadow Queen. It's real. But, oh! yes. Everything else, I, I thought Gothel was a really good villain because I absolutely hated that bitch. I, like, hated her so much. Flames on the side of my face. Just like that 
fucking bitch, the Black Fairy. So they <laughs> did an awesome job with Gothel in making her a completely irredeemable villain. I'm so glad she got what she deserved. The Tremaines. Lady Tremaine and uh, Drizella were really captivating and so fascinating to watch. Both actors did a really great job just giving us, like, villains in the gray. You know, villains that at one point seemed very villainous, at some point seemed very sympathetic. I like how both of them were played. Anastasia was a really great character as well. And another character just filled with goodness. And uh, a character that was being manipulated by two opposing sides. And, and it was acted very well as well. I was here for Henry and Ella since the beginning. I just thought they were so cute together. I loved how Jacinda was played as the polar opposite, kind of like, as, as I referenced several times, like Mary Margaret versus Snow White. I, I thought um, Naveen and Tiana both individually were spectacular additions. They were really cute together. I still wish that they would have kissed uh, when they had that talk in the apartment and they got so close in physical contact with one another. But we didn't get it, which is fine, I guess. They kissed in my brain and uh, in Jenna's fan fiction. But they were just fantastic together. If I were to give any type of special recognition to a particular actor... Um, well, it would be tied because uh, Daniel Francis was phenomenal. But just uh, on the side of just pure magic, I have to give it to Makia Cox. She just brought so much life to Tiana. I 100% understand why after seeing her in her first episode, the showrunners were like, we're bumping you up to series regular because she was just phenomenal. Practically perfect, once again, in every way as Tiana. The perfect uh, live-action representation of an amazing uh, animated character. And then the different arcs. The Tremaine stuff was really interesting. The Gothel stuff, it took a turn for the uh, fascinating, to be quite honest. uh, Just because it was so different than the things we've seen in the past. I know that a lot of you did not like the serial killer arc and the revelation of Jack. Hansel and that kind of stuff I liked it just because it was so out of left field and it was different it it gave once upon a time a kind of horror vibe that was uh, very unique to the series and um, it it just it worked for some reason it turned almost into a procedural but with like the dark sinister kind of uh, turn and uh, I liked it my complaints the rushiness of a lot of the stuff towards the end, uh, I will co-sign a couple of the flashbacks, were not needed at all. Uh, it was things that could have easily been explained in exposition. Uh, they could have focused on other things, um, Shadow Queen and that kind of stuff, or even Facilia in general would have been interesting to have seen. And uh, what else was a negative? Um... Well, anything with Facilier, because at the end of the day, it, it was a wasted character and a wasted opportunity. Daniel Francis did the best that he could with everything that he was given, and they did a really great job of painting him in the gray. Uh, I, I think it split up a little bit of our panel. You know, some of us saw that he was being more good than bad. Some of us 
thought that he was being more bad than good, and we were really confused as to how to analyze him. So it, it is unfair and unfortunate, especially since it was a character that I've been wanting pretty much since day one on this podcast, ever since we sort of like started discussing who we would love to see on Once Upon a Time. I always reference the Princess and the Frog characters. I always reference a particular Dr. Facilier. At one point, I did reference wanting Facilier and um, Regina to be love interest, so it's kind of weird that they kind of sort of did on the show, even though we never really got context. And, uh, yeah, so the, the, the rushiness and, and a couple of the storyline choices for flashbacks kind of um, didn't ring true to me. And I wish that they would have done things a little bit differently. And uh, I, I wish that they would have had a little bit more time or a little bit more focus on giving us full arcs for some of these characters that were introduced this year. So, gosh, and I'm still torn. Um... The letter grades that I'm trying to choose between are A- minus and an A. I'm leaning towards an A because of the two-hour finale, just because uh, maybe it's just like the, the recentness of it, and it was so good, and it was a really great way to end the series as a whole. If I were to just think of this as a season, though, I probably am more so leaning towards an A- minus based on the couple of negatives but they're but they're big points as a whole so um i'm gonna go with a minus so two a minuses and three b pluses tbh a b plus and an a minus are pretty equal <laughs> as far as like the grading scale so uh you know, uh, you know, it's basically personal preference. Uh, you know, why you're picking a B plus or an A minus. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/StorybrookeWeeklyMirror. Follow us on Tumblr, StorybrookeWeeklyMirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night. Night. Night, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night. (laughs) 